Oh yeah. You ready? Yep. We'll, we'll cruise around the house for you here. I haven't flown this in the house forever, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Here we go. You ready? Okay. So believe it or not, oh, folks, weird. Chloe has <laughs> never been under the goggles for FPV. So Chris is going to fire up the little inductrix and go for a little flight. A little different, huh? Woo! Oh, this is so cool. You like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Running into things. <laughs> Already? It recovers, like, no easy. <laughs> There's Finny. He's like, what is going on? What is that? <laughs> Here we go. So what do you think, Chloe? Your first indoor FPV flight. Oh, this is amazing. <clears throat> You're a great pilot. Too. No. I haven't flown <laughs> this thing forever. <laughs> oh! Oh! Yeah, last the, in May, Chris, last time you flew? Oh, wait. He can't hear me. He doesn't have his cans on. That's just me talking. That means, I can so. hear you a little bit. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. Well, was we'll the last head time upstairs and see if we can get into the podcast room here. <laughs> Here we I go. It. I hear it coming. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. And we we made it. Woo! And there you go. Our first flight, or Chloe's first flight, FPV. We that thought we'd so take cool. her for a little ride. Oh, she's hooked now. All right, I want one. <laughs> Of course. So, now, so the question will be plus or not, right? Yeah, oh, definitely plus for sure. For sure. Let me really? Phones on. I'm still not convinced because it, don't, it wouldn't fit between the rungs in my in my you know like I just barely fit with the little na the the little inductrix. I barely fit through the uh, my staircases. I just couldn't resist because everybody we get on the goggles on that they they just like oh my gosh this is the most amazing thing. But what's really cool is you get two or three of us in here and yeah. we all just start going around and, and then we get crazy. We're dodging like under the table through the chairs <laughs> and we start chasing each other around. And I mean, it is a blast. I can't believe how nimble, like, and you bumped into stuff. And oh it yeah. Crash. No, it uh -uh. just keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. That's <sighs> the nice version the, the previous generation product, which was called the nano. That was the problem with it. There was no protection around the prop. So you'd hit something and it just snag and you'd fall out of the sky. Right. Uh, where the Inductrix is a little better. Actually, we put them through our paces in the last year. Yeah. Um, you know, but Aaron now they Tech have the plus. At one, or noon, I think, right? So many uses. Of goggles yeah. go, or even a screen. <laughs> right. They, well, do have, they do have the, uh, the ready-to-fly, which comes with the little remote and the monitor, mm -hmm. um, which I know my, my buddy Andy Chase, the, uh, he's picked up one. And he likes that over bringing goggles with him on a on a an away trip. So yeah. How is it getting the picture? Is it Bluetooth? Or? No, no, it's um um five point eight gigahertz um going through yeah. a transmission module and a receiver module. And after podcast, I'll I'll show you a little more and okay. go into a little more detail. But welcome everybody <laughs> to RC After Hours. Sorry, we were a little distracted this morning, running a little bit behind. Uh, we were just uh, tinkering around like we usually do, and, and given uh, Chloe has joined us back in the studio again. 
to come hang out with us. Uh, big Horizon hobby uh, supporter here, so uh, she wanted to come in and talk to Matt. We will have Matt Andron coming on at 9.30, which is 8.30 his time because he's on Central Time, and we decided to let him just get a little bit of sleep. So we're going to ring him up at 9.30, uh, but we're just going to chat here a little bit before then. And again, Chloe in studio up on the big screen. Let me throw him up there. The big crazy uh, Canadian up there, Andre Russo. Good morning. What's up, buddy? How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's a little wet, so I guess today I'll uh, work on Flight Best South. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, we had a little bit of uh, kind of sleet, freezing rain here uh, yesterday. Oh, it was what? miserable. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful yesterday. We actually got out flying in the morning, but very windy. Very windy. Yeah. So I didn't get to fly that thing in the background. Ah, bummer. Uh, a couple things here real quick before we get into whatever we're going to get into. Of course, I bump my mic and make a bunch of noise. Uh, this episode is brought to you by rcexplore.se. And I get into my hum here. Um, if you haven't go checked out uh, Rocket Knife, go check out Rocket Knife. I mean, it's just getting uh, crazy. <laughs> oh, oh, dear David, hum. David, David. Yeah, the, the, the car crash. The car, the Lego car one was was insane. Oh, look at this. Chris is disconnecting his mic. Yeah. Oh. Okay. There we go. Um, yeah. Go. It's it's just been crazy what he's been doing with that thing. So uh, go check out rcexplorer.se and Rocket Knife on David Vinsel's channel. Um, once again, thank you, Patreon customers. Without you guys, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this right now. You guys are keeping the show running. We really appreciate it. If you want to help us out, go to patreon.com slash rcafterhours and keep the podcast going for us. Also, if that's not your thing, paypal.me slash rcafterhours. You can always throw some money in there and help us out that way. Also, a couple quick things on the swag that we have. There's a huge, big 20% off discount coming. Starts actually will be tomorrow. So you might be hearing this podcast when we get it out tomorrow. So I'll say, okay, today, October 30th. Through November 3rd, 20% off anything in our store. And all you got to do is put the code is 220wishes, W-I-S-H-E-S. 20wishes is the code. Put that at your checkout and you can get 20% off. So buy your family some Christmas gifts, some mugs, shirts, hats. I think I'm going to, at this point, I'm going to go for some long. I don't even have an RC After Hours shirt yet. I don't even own one yet. So That's sad. That's sad. It is sad. So <laughs> I even got well, Laura a pink one, okay, Chris? I got my wife I, a pink one. I've been sending them out to everybody else, so I haven't even bought myself <laughs> any. Get the t-shirt cannon and just yeah. start, you know. <laughs> so with this, and, and again, we're not really making any money off this. This is all for you guys, so that's one reason I have to pay for them. Andre has to pay for them. It's not like we get them free, so I've just been paying for them and sending them out to uh, yep. a lot of our friends and special friends. Special friends. Uh, so when the 20% off comes, I'm probably going to order you know some shirts and maybe I think it's about time for a, a hat too. Okay. You know, It's getting kind of cold out. But what we're going to do for you guys, because we love our fans, um, for the Patreon customers, we want to, every show we're going to give a t-shirt away. So what we need you to do is on the Patreon site, if you're a Patreon supporter, go on there, send us a little note, tell us, give us some feedback, why you like the show, why maybe you don't really, or I guess if you're a Patreon supporter, you're going to like the show. That'd be stupid. <laughs> but give us some feedback. You know, I'm always up for con 
constructive criticism. So uh, give us some feedback. And what we're going to do is anybody that uh, replies to us, I want you to pick a number. One through 100. I have already have a number picked. So if you put, pick some feedback in there, we're going to go through, read them all, and pick pick that number out, and you're going to get a free t-shirt. We'll contact you. You can pick out whatever one you want, and we'll send it to you. And same nice. thing for all the rest of our listeners, too. Uh, send us an email, and we will send we will pick somebody random. Again, if it's a crash story or you want to talk about the show or whatever, just send us an email yep. at RC after hours podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, throw in a number, one, and it's only can be one number. So if you guys think you're smart and you get in here and you put 20 numbers in there, I'm throwing you out. So <laughs> pick a number, one through 100, one number, and we'll pick somebody. We'll get a hold of you. You can pick a shirt and we'll send it out to you. So we're going to do that. Nice. Um, for a little bit. Speaking of feedback, yeah, I gotta say, huge shout. So I, I, last week we put out that little note talking, asking everybody to you know leave a review, especially on iTunes because that's our big podcast driver, mm-hmm. um, and leave a review and everything. And what was funny is uh, for the longest while I was deeply concerned because I wasn't seeing anything. And what I read up afterwards is based on your country that's where the feedback comes in and that's what you see. So I'm in Canada and I'm like the only person in Canada who's left a, you know, iTunes review of the podcast. So I saw one review and I'm like, oh, so I have subscribed to a service and I'm seeing everything come in. So the the comments from everybody in the last two weeks have been absolutely amazing. Keep it up. Um, make sure you leave it in the thumbs up or the stars because it does help us, believe it or not, and it does help us grow the podcast and attract more people. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was important, but it's uh, after seeing some of the numbers, I'm like, yeah, this is this is working. So the more you people comment, the more you like the, the per show and leave a and leave a review per show, the more it drives us up. So keep it going. Same thing on the Facebook page. It's amazing what the results does. Every it it, it just pushes the the platform uh, so that more people in the hobby find it, and more people discover it. So. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Yep, we appreciate it. If it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this, having fun. So, we, yeah, no we, kidding. We really, really appreciate it. Um, okay, real quick, before we get Matt Andron on, we got probably roughly about a half hour. Um, last podcast, Chloe, I had it in my notes and we just kind of ran out of time, but I wanted to talk about it because I got a note from you saying everything's good and it's flying. But a friend of yours bought a Phantom 4 Pro and did all the updates and everything and brought it out to the field. And I tried desperately for probably, what, 45 minutes to an hour yeah. to get that thing in the air. And it physically, we could not get it off the ground. We didn't have video signal. Uh, it kept disconnecting from the radio. And we were doing all kinds of calibrations and resetting everything. And we, we could not get that thing in the air. Like, it was really frustrating. Like, if I had a Phantom 4 Pro and just pulled it out of the box and did all the updates and spent that money. Yeah. And then we couldn't. So what do you know what happened or, or it went it had to go through another update. Another update. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Once she updated it and my friend April is the one we're talking about. Um she has never flown RC. Yeah. She's not an RC person. Right. Um <clears throat> right before she bought that Phantom, I talked her into buying a apprentice mini. Okay. She've only flown that twice. Yeah. So for her to make a leap right to a Phantom yes! 4 Pro. I was I both I was like, what? You you have no she's like, no, this is I've just seen it. She said she's seen one at her work, I think. 
Yeah. And and like fell in love. She's like, I gotta have one of these. And I was like, Wow. Right. So <clears throat> after you know, you guys worked on it, um, mm-hmm. she took it home, she went through and got it updated again. Once it was updated, she took it right out to the field after just what you know, a few instructions from you and mm-hmm. stuff. She took that thing off and she was piloting it all around oh, in wow. beginner mode though. Yeah, yeah, sure. In the beginner mode, she took it all around the Jackson field and it was like I was pretty impressed. I was like, geez, you know, mm-hmm. I want one. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But um, she hasn't done any filming with it yet. She's still getting comfortable and, you know, learning to avoid obstacles and so yeah. forth. So. Right. But she's, yeah. she's enjoying it. Oh, and... oh yeah. <laughs> but it, it's funny that, you know, even though she had the updates for that time, you know, because I asked her, I said, you sure you update? She's, yeah, I went through everything before I brought it out, updated everything. But you would think it would tell you, hey, we need this. We need an update. You know, it. it go ahead, Andre. I see it you. It had something to do also with the iPad to be updated as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And, so there was a communication error there. And some of those updates, it's a sequence. It's like you have to update. I've had it before with my fours. Or if you have to do the remote, then the craft. And it's um, sometimes they trip each other up, I've noticed. Hmm. It was yeah. very interesting because – just to have the the aircraft disconnect and not have the video signal that that was you know it's not like it said hey we need an update here you know right. but it, it, I thought that was very unusual but I know they were having some glitches with it you know what was at, when I got home I was very curious and I talked to Andre and I was doing a little research and stuff on there and and that was some of the problems with that update I guess they were having some problems that's why I told her to take it back reflash the firmware and see yeah she yeah. she did all that and it's flying like a champ now wow nice so well, I um I still baffles me. I was really shocked that somebody with no experience would just go out and lay the cash down for a uh-huh. that just four. Speaks four to pro, the technology. Yeah. You know, it's so any, yeah. even a novice yeah. can take this very expensive, you know, drone off mm-hmm. and pilot it for the very first time with success and have it come back, mm-hmm. you know, crash free. Yeah, that's amazing. Where we're was at. she nervous? Yeah, I was nervous. I was like, she was taking it off really close to my, you know, my Ford Explorer. Oh, know? yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. You know, I didn't say nothing. But mm-hmm. she got it to take off and took it right up. And, you know, when, when you have a new pilot or somebody with a big plane or yeah, something, you kind of yes. take a few steps yes. back. You're yes. like, yes. they don't know field etiquette yet right. where you space yourself out from mm-hmm. people, which – you guys should talk about that sometime. Field etiquette. There is such a thing. <laughs> Not when you're and- flying with us, it is it. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> we like to buzz people and, you know. Yeah. Well, when you're like a member of a club, they always oh, have yeah, field yeah, yeah. etiquette. That and is true. That was my first experience was learning field etiquette mm-hmm. where you don't walk up to pilots mm-hmm. while they're flying. Hey, how's you it going? Yeah, hey, how you doing? You don't walk near their planes. <laughs> you don't put your rigs up the next yep, to theirs. There's, right. there's all kinds of unsaid etiquette. Yeah. There's, there's a quick funny story. I know you don't know, but we've talked about it on the podcast before is when we were at Flight Fest, we were doing our Radiant Fly and that's when we get all, everybody that's there, you know, that has a radio, uh, we get all together. There's palpitations. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we had, how many was it, Andre, this year? Somewhere around 30, right? 30 or 40? Ridiculous number, so, yes. You imagine 30 radians in the air. You don't want to blink. Like, right. they're all up there. And you're how do you flying. know which one's yours? You don't blink. You literally don't blink. Like, you... You know, you might wiggle the wings a little bit here and to make sure. And there was a lot of people oh that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 
But the funny thing was, we, some friends of ours, if you've never seen their YouTube channel, they're really good. It's a husband-wife combo. They're called <laughs> RC Sailors. I have their stickers right there. Oh, that's the cool. RC they're fantastic. So here's poor Andre just just sweating bullets, you know, trying to keep an eye on his radiant. And they come right up to him, and they're putting pins on him and RC uh, or uh, RC Sailor stickers oh, on his Jesus. shirt, and they're talking oh, to yeah. him. And poor Andre, you could just see it. He was just like, he's oh, crapping. oh, yeah, yeah. And it was so <laughs> well, funny. I had burned and he's the Canadian, radiant so he's in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just, he didn't want to be rude, but you could just see it like, oh, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. And they knew it. They yeah, had me. they they were just they, harassing him. It was so funny. Oh, but, and I had a spotter. We, we all had spotters this time. Did we you actually put a flag you know, or leveled something? up. A we had spotters, the but the spotter would be like, "Is that your radiant there, Andre?" I'm like, "No, mine's the one there." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was really yeah, funny. Well, there'll, there'll be 31 this year. 31. I've got, I've got a radiant, and oh. I'm gonna I'll put a streamer on the back of mine. Though. That's cheating. That's cheating. What? But yeah, you can't put a string now. Well, can I take? Can I put like a checkered? Yep, you know, or you, yep, absolutely. But okay. here's the thing with the radiant: you can put all kinds of colors on there. But when you get up about four or five hundred feet, yeah. and you look at you'd have no idea what colors what. All you see is the why outlet is it, of the radiant. Explain to me why the streamers cheating. Cheating because then you know exactly that's that's part of the <laughs> the uh, enthusiasm, the fun, the. I don't know what you want to call it to get that many radians in the air because it sounds like Manjo bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's the thing: the the, the normal radian is such a, a relaxing, fun, you know, like oh, this is great, you know, I'm putting this thing up and I don't have to really fly. But when you do the radian fly, it's the complete opposite kind of thing. So when you get 30 radians up there, it's intense. Oh, and, gosh. and a normal radian, it's not supposed to be intense. But when we do this, it's very intense. But the Did you fun, have accidents? I mean, are they Oh, like, you have no oh, idea how many oh, accidents. Oh, yeah. We had loss of signal. We had people flying other people's planes. Mike, Mike Coolens was flying somebody else's plane for a good minute, then realized it wasn't his. Had no idea where it was. Somebody spotted it, what, Andre, like five <laughs> feet off the ground. It's just doing this. And they're like, Mike, I think it's your plane. He's like, oh, my God. Saved it. I mean, it's just unreal. This it has is. to be, this needs to be broadcast with like multi-angle cameras and drones live next time to see something. It'd be like a flock of seagulls. We did. We did. I had uh, the one year I put the drone up and was in there flying around with all the radians. And then... <laughs> The, not last year, but the year before, a thunderstorm rolled through. So we had all these radians up there around the thunderstorm, and they're all bouncing around. Then we got wind shear, and I mean, it was just crazy. Oh, I mean, crazy. Hey, but it's on. Yeah, yeah it, but it's such a good time. And generally, we only do what usually one flight with them all together because it's so intense. And by the time everybody does get down, we're like, oh my gosh, we're done. This is it. No more. <laughs> you know, we can't do this. Sounds I had awesome. a midair this this year as well. Mine, someone someone hit me with a little flight test plane and took a chunk out of my tail. Yeah. Like when we landed, I'm like, wow! I'm surprised this thing didn't like shear the whole vertical stabilizer off. Uh, but the crazy uh, thing is, is you're so concentrated on trying to fly and keep yours in sight, is you you hear stuff around you like, oh my gosh, I just lost mine. I don't know where it's at. You know, and you don't want to look, or you'll hear you'll hear one crash sorry about your luck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not looking exactly. <laughs> Oh, it gets crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is it is it is the counter. It's it's exactly opposite of, of a normal radian fly. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's kind of the intent and purpose. But it it is it is fun though. It, when's when's the next time they're going to do this? Well, Flight Fest is uh I guess this would be Flight middle Fest of July. East. Yeah, it's usually yeah middle of July. Oh, big festival. Wait till yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, but by then you'll have lots of experience. You know, you'll be out yeah. flying with us and catching thermals. And- I, I haven't I I haven't taken it out yet because I have never flown a glider like that before. So mm-hmm. I'm going to wait until you guys are out there. Yeah. Just just make sure Mike doesn't get close to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Frank says uh, you'll hear an uh oh, and then you just can't resist looking, and that's what a lot of people did, and how they crash is like they would hear something, glance off for a second, and Where'd I mean, go? literally, yeah. you glance away and then look back, and you're like, oh crap, which one's mine? It's it's yeah. crazy. You just like you start pulling crazy elevator? Ivans, right? Yeah. You start doing left and right turns, and yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert Robert Goff, he, he's on uh, Facebook Live. He said, mine locked out five times and hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it, yeah, it's a good time. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else were we going to talk about? Oh, one thing, Andre, I want to talk a little bit about real quick. Um, if anybody hasn't been following Peter Searle on oh, YouTube... Yes. Uh, here's a he's a friend of ours who's uh, used to be foam and tape. He's an incredible builder, mastermind. Um, decided he was going to build his own airplane out of foam and fly in it like a real airplane. Oh my god! And he's been documenting this over the last couple months, like on YouTube. Oh, I got it's, it's it's phenomenal. Like you know, you being a pilot, me being a pilot, seeing what he, I I would never ever ever think about myself building my own airplane and flying in it. Let alone out of you know foam, and it's going to be electric. Oh my gosh! So uh, this week, or actually, what day was it, Andre? Was it Wednesday, Thursday? He's Thursday, he, Thursday, yeah. right at the point where he was physically ready and was going to go fly it. And took it to the field. They had it all set up. It was pretty close to being dark. Um, and got in it and actually got it off the ground and, you know, did some high speed taxis and got it off the ground, but realized it was a little bit underpowered. So he didn't want to push it. So he's going to swap out the motors and try it again. But it literally is just a foam airplane that he built himself. I mean, just. What's like the FAA rolling on something? Well, it's an experimental. So does it and still it's have to ultralight get it? class? Yeah, and it's ultralight. It's, it's, I think it, what was it? Up weight was under five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. So so it's basically do whatever you want to do. Oh, now there are re- obviously restrictions flying wise. Like you, you can only well his is electric, but you know you're only allowed so much fuel, and you can only go so far, and it's got to be in daylight hours and blah blah blah. But everything he's done is legal. I mean, it's but it's mm-hmm. kind of the first homemade foam built like how you build any kind of uh kit plane or flight test plane or anything out of foam like that's how he's building it like a just a it's, giant it's, scale wow. rc airplane basically wow. yeah you know and he's yeah. the plastic guy yeah <laughs> you know using real rc motors escs you know stuff like that to you know get it in the air wow that is so cool but it's he's scaring the daylights out of me i mean literally <laughs> like when i i thought about it kind of all day like Adam Drain sent me a note. He's a good friend of ours. And he's like, hey, Peter, this is a day. I'm going to go out. And he's going to. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, maybe put like a remote kit in there and put a crash test dummy in there once with the same weight <laughs> to see, you know, if it's going to fly. Yeah. Rather than using himself as a nope, crash he, test dummy. He's, he jumped right in. Oh. I mean, he's oh, all yeah. in. It's crazy. 
He's done his CG. He did his his wing stress. It's a biplane as well, so he's got lots of lift. But he's done his stress tests on it and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm looking at it going, mm, no, no. I'm not strapping myself into something like that. I want a cage. <laughs> and yeah. even then, I've been in things with cages, and they didn't protect me well enough. So No. My grandfather built a plane, two planes, actually, in mm-hmm. his garage. And the first one was a cricket. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard, heard of those? I've heard of it. It's basically, it looks like a little George Jetson bubble. If you look it up, it's called, in French, it's the cri Oh, the cri yeah, yeah, I know the, the cri yeah, We my, were just talking about that. Yeah. My grandfather got in the world record book for that book. Uh, he was the first person to actually put one together in North America. And really? Yeah. That's another plane that scares the daylights out of me. Looking at it with the two little motors hanging yep. out the front, the bubble, and you're like. In the seat, the chair was actually a lawn chair. You're kidding. Yeah. A lawn chair. And I watched him pilot this thing at Oshkosh for the first time. So oh, took this my thing off. gosh. Yeah. And he did. Um, he also built the Lance Air in mm-hmm. his garage and you know, took that off. And it's, it's funny you should say, you know, I would never want to you know, build or never consider building a plane. Well, he did. And then you are as a person going, okay, my grandfather built this plane. I'm going to get in it, you know, with him. And, you know, it takes, uh, takes a lot of ingenuity and know how oh, yeah. guts to yep. do something like that. And, you know, hats off to this guy that's doing it in foam. Yeah. I know kind yep. of what he's up against. Wow. Forget that. I know. I want, well, I mean, I, the, I'm I'm good with the ultralights. Like I'd buy an ultralight, and I've actually even kind of thought about a little bit of you know maybe tinkering around getting an ultralight and throwing it together. Whether I do that, I, I don't know. But you know, just to and I have some other friends who bought you know regular kit planes and built them. You know, it sometimes it takes a year, two years, depending on how much time you have. Okay. You know, but. And that would be okay, but to actually just like, eh, I'm going to build an airplane, I'm going to cut some foam. I mean, you know what I, just, uh oh. <clears throat> It reminds but, me of the guy in the, he, he took off in the lawn chair with uh, the hot air balloons, oh. a, a six pack and a BB gun. <laughs> oh, I've seen that. Yeah. He did have a parachute on though. Yeah. 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 I did see that video. That's actually uh, some people I know of uh, the Nitro Circus crew there that did that, I believe. Oh, Matter yeah. of fact, that guy died. Uh, I, th- I believe that's the same guy. He, uh, what the heck did he do? Can't remember. Anyway, but yeah, that was a cool video. The <laughs> balloons are like, is that really gonna work? And sure enough, man, he got up right in those balloons. <laughs> Have you ever seen that video, Andre? It's just nope. math. <laughs> yeah, he literally they had a lawn chair and they put enough helium balloons that he actually got in the air. He had a parachute, but then he had a gun. So he, after he got so high, he just started shooting the balloons. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this yeah, at home. Right. I don't know about that. I don't know about that idea of shooting my own lifts. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. So, uh, Let's see. What uh, what do you been doing there up there, Andre, in the great white north? Is it getting cold? Is it snowing? You've been yeah. flying? Oh, no, you know what? look at it, that. The, I don't even care about the cold or snow or anything. Like, it's the daylight. Like I just we hit the other weekend. We you know we started it started losing light at like six o'clock in the evening, and it's just like I can't get anything done during the weekday. Mm-hmm. And I'm outside actually doing work, and I've got my little light my my little headlight on because I'm like I got to be able to see what I'm doing in the backyard just to get a couple of chores done. But uh, yeah, I did um, after the uh, the drone nationals here in Canada. I uh, I did go eventually and last weekend picked up the pt-17 
And uh, so that was last weekend's flying, at least one day, because the Sunday I got pretty preoccupied with dealing with that. Uh, Fred says it's cold here. Go. Oh, <laughs> get lost. Fred, Fred lives in Florida. <clears throat> Florida. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. So you Fred, change from Fred, your summer good. shorts to your winter shorts, Fred. Yeah, you know winter shorts. So what? They're like an inch and a half longer or yeah. something. It just covers up the knees a little right. bit more, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then he rolls his socks up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get you next week, Fred. I'll get you yeah. next week. Yeah. But yes, I um, <sighs> eventually I was talking with Gary from Great Hobbies, and he's like, "So, what are you interested in?" And I'm like, "I think the PT17 has to come home with me." So it did. And I have flown that. Uh, I did fly it at least once. So, are we going to talk? We're going to leave that for for the discussion with Matt and, and talk about our experiences with it. Yeah, that's fine. Sure. All right. But I mean, so, what's your initial I, thoughts of it? Did, did you were, I love it? Yeah, I love it. I um, I was a little freaked out flying it the first time because of the CG issues, and then I switched mm-hmm. to a larger pack, and I much it, it flew a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping yesterday I could test it, but we had a pretty gnarly crosswind, like gnarly enough that even the the, the I was ha- I flew the bush meal because I could land anywhere I wanted to, and even a couple of my approaches it was moving around, so I'm putting in rudder and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, no, the, uh, the PT-17 stayed in the car, um, and I flew a couple other things like my, my, my Spitfire and stuff and a mm-hmm. few other ones. I had my little, um, <laughs> the little micro Sky Hunter, and it was just being smacked around. It was like someone was hitting it, hitting a wing as I'm going through the turns with it, and it would just jump. And the guys are like, wow, it's windy up there. I'm like, yeah, watch this. So I got to put a little bit more. Uh, I got to 3D print some stabilizers for that thing. Mm-hmm. I want to try it. I should have flown that one in uh, FPV, but my Fat Shark goggles have developed a new issue. So uh, huh. yeah, the That's receiver, the know, receiver stopped working. So which is uh, you know it's a little mod that I had done. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna actually, uh, ironically enough, I have another one coming in. <clears> so I, I should be okay. Another receiver. Uh, but I'm actually considering updating those goggles. So yeah, we'll see. You know, it's funny, Andre, we get a lot of questions and stuff about winter flying. Like a lot of these people are, you know, oh, it's getting cold and, you know, what are we going to fly indoors or, oh, man, you know, we're not going to. Yeah. Well, there is nothing <laughs> wrong with throwing on some skis or some floats, getting a plane. Yep. Belly landing. And, yeah. Belly. And get out there and fly in the winter. Like that is one of our favorite times to fly yeah. is in the, yeah. in the winter. Yeah. To wherever I know, Hobby King's got some. I'm trying to think. Some people make their own transmitter uh, mitts. Have you seen a yep. transmitter mitt, Chloe? Mm-mm. Oh, I have to show you a transmitter. You got one. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. You put your radio inside. Yeah. And your hands go in it, and they even make. Andre's going to go get one, and yes. they actually even make a powered one that you can. If it's super, super, super cold, that you hook a lipo battery up to it, and it's got a heater in it. Oh, mama want. Yeah, <laughs> mama want. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's one right there. We'll throw oh. it on the big screen. Oh, cool! Yes, see that? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And your you know this your the, your hands stay yeah. dry and warm, and your radio. If it, and w- one of our favorite things, and and I'll have to show you some video. Oh, cool! Is we like to go out and fly when it's snowing. I mean, like yes. a, just a full on danger. Yes, and you put know, put some Top Gun danger zone yeah, on it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Put your goggles on. We have to have a snow fest. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yes. Um, you know, you get out there in the snowstorm and fly, and your your radio stays dry, and your hands are dry, and you're good to go. I'm wondering if I could fly. I got a new plane called the Icon. 
Oh, yes. Ooh, absolutely. Yes. It's amphibious. Yes. Absolutely. I'm thinking that's going to be my yep. winter sled. Absolutely. My sled. Your yeah, timber. Winter sled. <laughs> winter sled. Um, but, go ahead, Andre. I wonder how the Cessna, I wonder how the Cessna would do with a front set of skis. Oh, uh, it'd be I fine. I think you'd a little. Nah, I think if, I was telling Chloe, because um, I know you also purchased the, um, what's the other big plane I'm losing? The Carbon Z Timber? Cab? Oh, the, I have she, got car- yeah, yes. she got, got a car. Yeah, she got a car. Like, Cub as well. Yeah. I got like almost every Horizon plane they make. I yeah. bought them all. <laughs> I'm trying to find new ones. But I don't see any reason, Andre. It probably almost might be better. I have those big giant metal skis I bought for the Carbon yeah. Z Cub, and it works fantastic. Yeah, really? yeah and it's only on yeah, two skis. Rose, I think yeah. it does have a mount for skis underneath. There is everything on the Carbon uh, Cessna. For for water landings. And oh, for the floats. Yeah, yeah, you could fly it on floats on the yeah. snow. A lot of people yep. do that, but I'll have to show you my skis. They're metal. They're huge, and you could buy three of those and put it on skis. So you, doesn't it come in like grease, like just like really fast though, sliding across the ice? Well, no, not yeah. really. It depends. We found out it really depends on the snow. If it's a really wet, heavy snow, it's kind of sticky, which is kind of cool because the plane kind of hits and sticks, and it'll slow down real quick and also take like off powder. quick. Uh, well, the sticky stuff, if it's wet or yeah. if it is powder is cool too because it just kind of sets and sinks down in it. Oh, and the okay. snow, you see the snow rolling up around from the... Pro- oh, it's so much fun. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you people that always ask us, what do we do in the winter or what do you find? We, get, yeah. Go out and yep. fly. You know, get a transmitter Ooh. mitt, keep your batteries yep. warm, go out and just have fun. Now, for us personally, we like the the big gnarly planes for winter, like the Bush Mule is going to be awesome. Awesome. Um, I, yep. I have a um, the Fly Zone Beaver that we flew a lot in Ooh. the wintertime. That thing was unbelievable. Yep. Um trying to think what else. Tundra. The Tundra would be perfect. Oh. Uh, and also, Chloe, the Bush Mule comes with skis. So it's all ready to go. You just put the skis on and What about the timber? Go. It comes I got a timber and it comes with the the floats. The floats? Could you yep. could you land on those? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yep. Right. what's interesting too, the the skis the skis are a lot of fun and I'll do things like I'll put the pawnee. I'll put skis on my pawnee. I'm probably gonna put skis on the um Ooh. on the uh, uh the commander as well. Um and even thought about the Sukhoi. Um, anything I can, anything that's a like a, a um, tail dragger, perfect for skis. Um, now the nice thing with the floats, and I haven't even flown the timber on the floats yet in the snow because the skis just work. But if there's any kind of footprints or anything in the snow, the skis kind of you kind of dig into them. So it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I might try and put the tundra on the the skis this year, mm-hmm. and I'm waiting to see if I'm going to order the uh, the ski kit. That's uh, the, the sorry the float kit for the. Um, uh, Bushmeal. I'm at a loss of words this morning because um, I'd like to try that, but um, I'm waiting on that one until I actually need to do a big order from Hobby King and just get everything in one shot because those are probably phenomenal in that airplane in the winter, especially with a differential thrust control. Yes. And reverse thrust and reverse <clears throat> thrust would be sweet. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. And the new, the newer Tundras um, do come with the reverse thrust module. I don't want to modify my airplane because it's hot from factory. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, the big the big rumor is, yeah. Um how do how do the jets do? Like in I've never f- I'm trying to think if I I don't know if I've ever uh yeah, we've that um uh Vigan right there. We've flown that yes. in the winter quite a bit. Matter of fact, when they did the 
uh, when David Vinden stole, he's the one designed that plane and everything. When we did the um, product video mm-hmm. a, a few years ago, it was the coldest day in Ohio on record. It was minus 15 degrees, and we went out and did the product review on that thing. It was so cold when we, <laughs> after about 10 minutes, when we were talking, you know, we were on, my, uh, I couldn't talk because my mouth was so yeah. froze. But yeah, <clears throat> so it, it did fine. No but, problems. Now, do planes fly a little different in the colder air? Yeah, better. Versus, better, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yeah, your, your love, batteries might be a little sluggish, but it's, yeah, as long you as you know. keep your batteries warm and then put it right in the plane, start flying, and they keep the heat. It it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. So, well, hey guys, Matt just messaged me and said he's ready to go. So, Sweet. what if we uh, what if we get him on here and uh, get chatting with him? That sound like a plan? Good. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Right. Let me uh, let me get him on here. We'll add him on here real quick. Add people. Let's see. It's been a while. I haven't been out flying though uh, here recently. I need to get out. Oh, I did take the um, the uh, torrent out the other day and had a blast. It's been a while since I flew that thing. Let's see if we can get Matt on here. Hello. How's it going? How's it hey, going? Hey, there he is. Matt Andron, everybody. How are you? Oh, doing real good. Doing real good this morning. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Matt. We really appreciate it. Uh, just so you know, I know you don't have a webcam or anything, so joining us in studio is our good friend Chloe, who is a huge <laughs> Horizon uh, product uh, buyer. She probably has almost every Horizon plane out there, so she wanted to come in and chat with you. And on the big screen here in the studio is everybody's favorite Canadian, Andre Russo. So, just so you know. Oh, very cool, very cool. Um, okay, uh, man, Matt, I have a real quick question for you. Um, do you guys have in the shop anywhere possibly some leftover Park Zone Albatross stickers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, we uh, we develop, as you know, quite a bit of stuff. Um, so it, it, it pains me to say it, but every once in a while we have to do kind of a clean out and uh, get rid of some of the old stuff. So unfortunately, you know, stuff that's a couple of years old, uh, just really don't have room for it anymore. Oh, my so. gosh. So uh, uh, I, I will say I do have an albatross and SC five uh, here at my house, so I had had to get one of those. So. Yeah, well, let's talk about that here real quick. Um, a couple podcasts ago, Matt, we had this huge discussion where you know the latest and greatest comes out, and you end up buying it, and you fly the daylights out of it, and you really like it, and then something new comes out, or a year later, two years later, and you're like, man, I'm I'm running out of room. I need to get rid of some stuff, and you sell some planes. And then they discontinue them, and you look back, and you're like, why did I sell that? I, lo- I now realize I absolutely love that plane. I want to fly that plane. <laughs> and you can't find them anymore. You know what I mean? And Oh, absolutely. I, I have the SE5. Of course, I have the, the, the original Park Zone Wildcat that, Matt, it is now hanging up. It will probably be a shelf queen forever unless you guys bring it back because I'm scared to death to fly that thing anymore. But... The crazy thing is, is I always wanted the albatross and kept putting it off and putting it off, and then it discontinued. 
And then I decided I wanted one and I can't find them. I mean, they're so hard to find. Uh, I found a guy on eBay that had new, new in the box. I couldn't get him to ship it to me. And then, uh, another friend of mine found, listen to this, Matt, found one in Texas, brought it to Flight Fest for me. I, I bought it and they brought it all the way from Texas. So I have an Albi, but it doesn't have the stickers on it. And I was kind of bummed. And another friend of mine found another one down in Dayton. So I bought that sight unseen. So now I have two albatrosses and I'll, again, I'll probably fly one and keep one for parts. But I mean, I don't know. I just miss these planes. And I was wondering, do you, do you keep all your planes that you design and develop? Do you have all of them? You know, I try to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a little bit of a limit there. I mean, for example, some of the things I've done is, you know, I was the product developer when we uh, redid the Super Cub, you know, to the latest with LiPo, for example. So that's an airplane, you know, it's probably going to be around for a while that I probably don't need to have one in my arsenal here at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely try and keep you know, all my projects. Um, I know, unfortunately, part of the problem is all the guys at work also make cool projects as well. So you got to have one of theirs. Yes. So it, it gets bad really, really <laughs> fast. I've, I've tend to been become a little bit more uh, selective on which airplanes. I'm like, yeah, I think I need to keep one of those versus, yeah, I might be able to let that one go. But it's 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 painful. Right. And I guess I should announce, just in case everybody doesn't know, we've known Matt for a long time. I'm going to say probably at this point, Matt, you're one of the senior product developers. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I've been at Horizon just about uh, 13 years now and been in product development right about, oh, I'd say 11 of those years. So Yeah. And uh, you, if anybody doesn't know Matt, if you're ever at a show or Matt's there, go say hi. Matt is probably he's one of our favorite people ever, and he's a, probably the nicest guy I've ever met in the RC community. So go up and say hi to Matt. He loves to talk to everybody, and he's really not knowledgeable, especially, obviously, with all the Horizon procs. So just go say hi to him. Um <laughs> Uh, the other thing too is it was really funny is right before the PT-17 come out, again, we had this discussion about the SE-5 and the Albi and how we love the planes. We missed them. We, you know, we were really wanted something to come back in the, in the, you know, the biplane and boom, you roll out with the PT-17. <laughs> and our friend Chloe here went right out, bought one. Uh, Andre's got one sitting on video right now, right behind him. So what, yeah, yeah. what made you bring back the PT or what made you bring back a biplane and choose a PT 17? Why that aircraft? Um, well, you know, um, we had done the ultra micro PT 17 and that has done really well for us, especially for a brushed one S model. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have been, Oh, it's gotta be two S brushes. It's gotta be two S brushes. Mm-hmm. That brush stuff is terrible. Mm-hmm. Then we come out with something like that and everybody loves it. So Obviously, there's still a big place for for the brush stuff. You know, it, it has its home, especially in indoor environments. You know, the dead calm evenings and mornings yeah. and stuff like that. It just makes it perfect for that. We thought, you know, we can take this airplane and we can make it really scale with some cool features and, you know, have that same kind of flight feeling with it because, you know, the little PT-17 is just a, a sweetheart. It's fun. It floats. You know, it's not super aerobatic with only ailerons on one set of the wings, but it's a lot of fun to fly, you know, just going out and doing hammerheads and touch and goes and, you know, barnstorming stuff. So, you know, yeah. we thought, what better way to do make it. Oh, I think Matt's microphone's having some issues. Sorry about that. That's all right. Oh, that should be a little bit better there. Yeah, he cut out there for a second, Matt. Uh, yeah, basically I was just saying, you know, we, we wanted to make a, a 
park flyer version of our very popular ultra micro that uh, you know has some of the similar characteristics but you know it's got a little bit more power because it's a you know park flyer things like that mm-hmm. now chloe we were just talking earlier too before the podcast started uh, again we're, she's a big fan of the pt17 but she said that she would like a large version somewhere oh, yes. on like the um the carbon z cessna carbon. size 2.1 2.5 yeah yeah we I lay awake at night dreaming like something like that will come. Like I, I love that plane. So my dad went out and bought one right after I got mine. So now we've got two of them in our mm-hmm. hangar. Oh wow! And if some, I, I I just want something to come along to take you know my my eyes off of the Cessna for a while. <laughs> uh-huh. I love the Cessna so much that if this one would come along to be mm-hmm. as big as that one, oh. Now the only thing about the this is that it you know you got two wings to take apart you know yeah. if it was that big to get right. you know transport becomes an issue mm-hmm. but you know like I said I got an explorer so I'll yeah. deal with it <laughs> that definitely helps yeah go big <laughs> uh, and and I'm just curious you know you brought out the uh, the warbirds there for a while and they disappeared but is this something maybe that uh, a series of this or some might might possibly be coming back Matt because we really like them. Well, you know, we've been doing um, kind of a new series of the 1.2 meter warbirds uh, mm-hmm. up from, you know, the original kind of park zone uh, warbirds that we had in like the E-Flight Mustang, uh, originally the 1.1 meter. Yes. So, you know, we're kind of slowly expanding that line. Um, you know, warbirds kind of have ha- have lost a little bit of their luster, I think, lately. Right. Uh, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back six, seven years ago. It was it was the thing. I mean, that was the big park flyer rage was, you know, scale warbirds, flaps, retracts, you know, you name it and yes. had it had it on there. Yes. And it seems like there's just so many of them out there now mm-hmm. that guys are looking for that other thing, that different flying experience, which is, you know, exactly like the commander, the the PT-17, the timber, you know, stuff like that. That's a different type of flying. Right. I think is is engaging people more than just going out and. You know, doing barrel rolls and loops and high speed passes with the warbird. So it, it's a different type of flying. And I think people are just looking for, you know, different experiences. There's so many things you can do in this hobby that yep. uh, there's a lot of options for you. Yep. And the other thing I wanted to touch base with you a little bit is one of our big things. And we've been harping on this for a long time. And I don't know if it's something you guys have ever looked at. And we've talked to some other product developers about it. And, and again, you know, we're, we're, we're going back in the time machine here with the, the, the Wildcat or even like the P51BL. Matt, a lot of us in this area here, we've, we've all come to the conclusion we, we love warbirds. And, you know, I still have some that's got all the bells and whistles with the flaps and the lights and the, you know, the gear and everything on it. But sometimes... We just want to throw something in, make it simple, fly a warbird, take it out. So like the 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 Wildcat in the P51BL, they're so easy. You just throw it in your car, you pull it out, turn it on, throw the battery in there, and just chuck it and go. Have some fun. Like all mine are hopped up, so I put some hotter motors in it. Crank around, you know, do some barrel roll, like you said, big loops, and then just land it right in the grass. You don't have to, you know, have a real good runway. You can take it almost anywhere and fly it and then like you said matt you, you fly the warbirds a little bit and then you land you pull out the timber because again it's one of those planes that can fly anywhere and you, you know you have some fun with that doing you know we do a lot of takeoff and landing challenges and just all kinds of stuff but i think it'd be a lot of you know interesting and fun to to bring back some of these warbirds 
that, you know, don't have all the bells and whistles on, you know, that are a little bit cheaper, that something somebody else can go purchase and, you you know, keep in your car with the timber and, and pull it out and fly it anywhere because you can just belly land it. Is it something that you guys have thought of or considered? Well, you know, truthfully, uh, when we were doing a lot of the parks on Warbirds, that was exactly the philosophy. You know, uh, when I started in the, on the parks on team, uh, we had basically just done the uh, Gunfighter P fifty one BL, and we were working on the BF one hundred nine. So that wasn't released yet, and that was kind of still in process when I got on the team. And again, that was a basically a four channel airplane with a flap option. You know, had fixed gear. Yeah. Um, as we moved up, you know, like like the Spitfire you see there, the P forty seven. Yep. Um, the Corsair, some of those other airplanes. You know, we tried to do it where, yeah, out of the box, it's a simple hand launch belly land four channel. Warbird, keep it as light as possible, have the greatest amount of performance uh, for guys, you know, who don't have the nice runways, don't have the good flying fields, mm-hmm. or landing on terrible, clumpy grass that yeah. there's no way you're going to roll on with anything. Right. So, you know, we wanted to give those options. And, you know, if you wanted to add the flaps but no retracts, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that worked for a long time. But again, I think the market changed because you saw a lot of companies coming out with full house, everything Warbird. And I think a lot of guys were just like, I'll just leave the flaps and gear retracted and hand launch and belly land. So, you know, I don't know if they wanted that for those times where they go to a field and like, hey, I got a nice field. I'm going to use my flaps and retracts now. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's definitely, you know, the market has changed from that. You know, it was a lot of options, but I think people didn't want to go out and get those options. They're like, I'd rather just have it in, included kind of deal. Uh-huh. So, but I, I definitely agree with the simple airplane. I mean, you mentioned the Wildcat. That airplane's got a cult following because yes. of simplicity. It's great. You can hop it up if you want with power and it still takes it yes and it's just a good flying airplane right and and even today i mean i'm trying to think of how old that airplane is now probably six seven years old or somewhere right around there it's still today in today's standards look just sitting there looking at it now still looks amazing you know right and again there's there's really nothing special about any of the scale detail around it or anything about it like that it's just a, a very basic well done you know version of a wildcat so it looks looks kind of right in the sky and you know has the right feel right now here's another question i had again we were we were reminiscing about these planes is we, we've also noticed that you are starting to bring back some of these planes here's a real good instance years ago a friend of mine bought a stinson and flew it for quite a while and <laughs> funny story matt we we realized the stinson doesn't like to fly without the uh uh, the, 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 uh, what do you call it? Yeah. The, the wing struts struts? on it. Yeah. He forgot his wing struts one day and I said, Pat, man, you better go back and use, I'm not going to fly that hard. Well, he got cranking around and the wings folded up like a cheap lawn chair. And that was the end of that. But, and, and I think he went and bought parts for it. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that plane has been discontinued for a while and you just brought it back. And Chloe here just recently went out and bought one. She's like, man, look at this yeah, Stinson. And it's um, beautiful looking airplane. I said, Chloe, that, that, that's, you know, they brought that plane back. You know, yeah. they had that plane years ago and she's like, you're kidding me. And I said, no, honestly. So like, say the, the, the P51 or the Wildcat, is this maybe possibly something that you guys could, I don't, you know, maybe you don't even have the molds anymore, but is it something that you could bring back, throw the AS3X in it and even make it a better flying airplane in the future? Put safe in it. Safe. <laughs> I want safe in everything. <laughs> Oop, we lost you. We lost you, Matt. Sorry about that. That's all right. That's my mic caught in my chair there as I turn. Um, you know, we kind of moved a lot of stuff from the Parks Online into the E-Flight line, you know, the Radian, yes. the, the original T-28, things like that. Yep. 
and we realized that that probably wasn't the best decision and we're kind of revamping parks on a little bit you know like you said we have the artisan in there now we have the stinson in there we've mm-hmm. always had the paper um you know so there's always been a little bit of presence uh in parks and you know we had the parks on sport cup which has been a great one for a long time um but now I think we're going to start going back and focusing a little bit more on Park Zone being literally what what the name of that brand is, Park Zone. Simple park flyers that are intended for flying at a park. You know, nothing fancy, nothing crazy. So you're going to see more coming from Park Zone in the future. So, Oh, that's Very fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, my dad had the Park Zone Corsair. That's what we were flying the other day. Mm-hmm. And it just you know, cranked right over on. So he's got that all repaired. Yeah. Is that, is that also one that's went away and came back or? Well, what they did with that one was the, the original one, they, they had it and then it disappeared and then they brought it back, actually made it, uh, structural wise a little bit better. Yeah. And put it under hobby zone and then put the safe in it. But oh. that's still to this day is a fantastic flying, uh, Corsair. That's, that's what we're looking for is the and, Corsair. It's got a safe in it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Matt could probably tell you is I think Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys tried to bring back the Corsair and make it better and realize that airframe was probably almost as good as it was going to get. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you know, we did some very minor kind of upgrades to like the wing mount just to make it a little stronger. Um, mm-hmm. but, Truthfully, aerodynamically, we did absolutely nothing to it other than, you know, include uh, the safe system uh, into the airplane. So, you know, that airplane, while it wasn't the most scale-looking Corsair, mm-hmm. it had a lot of wing area. It had a nice flat bottom airfoil that made it very, very friendly. Yet, it still was pretty aerobatic, even with that, you know, kind of trainer gentle airfoil on it. So, you know, it became a good companion to the Parks on T twenty eight that was at it out at the time. So there was a good kind of Hey, here's your, you know, hardcore World War II Warbird and your nice tricycle gear Warbird trainer kind of thing. And they went, they kind of went in hand in hand very well. Is that still available? Because we went looking for the Corsair was safe and couldn't find it. We found one with AS3X, but not the safe. Not the safe. Is that still available? The Hobby Zone one, Matt? Oh, I don't believe so. I think we actually discontinued it not too long long ago. I'm actually checking right now. <laughs> I think okay. that's what Pat was flying. He yeah, that's what the, Pat has. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah. how do you pilot this thing so well? And he's like, oh, it's got the safe. Yeah. And, you know, and that's one of the, the, the great things because a lot of, you know, newer pilots come out. That's the first thing they either want to go to a jet or, or a warbird. And, you know, that's obviously not the, the best thing to start out on. So, right. you know, when they brought out the, um, the, the Corsair and put the safe on it. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, helped a lot of people that wanted that first Warbird, you know, yeah. got a little bit of experience, you know, got their orientation down, everything, but that next step into the faster Warbird and everything, you know. Can, well, going from high wing to low wing yes. is a totally different feel. Mm-hmm. So I bought that Spitfire just because it had the safe. And I wanted to start yeah. getting used to the, you know, flipping back and forth, but on safe mode to learn mm-hmm. to pilot a low wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, truthfully, that's exactly why we did that. You know, the the stigma for so many years is that it's got to be a high wing trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's got to look like, mm-hmm. a, for example, a telemaster or something like yeah. that. Yep. And, you know, with the to- technology we have these days, you can pretty much make just about any airplane with, you know, a few exceptions, you know, something really heavily wing loaded that's just going to fly too fast for that, you know, newer pilot, you know, just can't keep keep ahead of it. You can do a lot with the with the technology these days. You know, as an example, by the uh, the Hobby Zone Corsair or mm-hmm. the E Flight Spitfire with you know safe select on it, so that if you know if you're an experienced pilot, don't want to use it, don't have to worry don't about it. But if you want it on there, it. it's not. It's a pretty nice system, and 
you know, it's funny. I was reading the forum the other day, and you know, some people are very for or very against safe. Yes. And one of the proponent, proponents that wasn't really, he wasn't too high on it. He didn't like <laughs> it that much. Well, he was out flying and got attacked by gnats. <laughs> and had to flip it on and swat him away. He's like, okay, I kind of like it for stuff like that. So, uh-huh. yeah, there's benefits even for experienced would, pilots. Why on earth would anybody <laughs> care whether it's just a software that's flashed into the AR-636 sir, you know, receiver? Yeah. Why do they care? Like, just don't bind it in that way. I don't know. It but de- include it in every plane you make. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's definitely yeah. a love or hate relationship. I don't know. I'm the same thing. I don't understand it. If it comes with every plane, fine. Because, you know, I generally don't fly with it. You, you've seen that. But, it you know, but if, say, somebody that's interested in that plane maybe doesn't have quite the experience yeah. or whatever, right. you're like, well, hey, we'll turn it on. Here you go. I, you know? I think you alienate a whole bite like me. I went through Horizon's website looking for any plane that had that safe on it. Mm-hmm. So me and my boys and my dad could have, you know, good experiences starting out. Right. If it's not yes. in there, I didn't even look at that plane. Mm-hmm. You know, why Why not put, what I say, Andre, earlier? Uh, macho BS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, actually, the one, the one area that I saw that I was really impressed was the difference between the green Sukhoi and the blue Sukhoi. With that oh. new software and that new setup, it transformed that plane to the point that I have friends who have basically gone and, and are trying to buy the blue Sukhoi receiver so they can dump it into their plane and just enjoy the Sukhoi all over again. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> I do that I mean, with the big Valiant too. Yeah. And, you know, truthfully, even for, you know, some of us experienced guys, you know, you're spending money on a new airplane and the first flight can be near nerve wracking. Even if you know, it's going to fly, you know, it's going to be good. So mm-hmm. having that system to be able to, to assist you a little bit on take that first takeoff and first land until you yep. get up in the air and, can fly it around and go, oh, okay, this is how it feels, this is how it feels when I get slow, this is how it stalls, all that. You can you can at least kind of assure yourself you're going to get it up and down that first time uh, and not have to worry about, you know, busting up wing tips or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, We've had yep. people walk up to us in the field when we're flying and they wanted to get in or they wanted to buy some for their kids and we literally can hand the controls over to them and say, look, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You put it in their hands for a second, they're like, oh my God, this is easy. I'm yeah. like, it is easy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, Matt, we want to know when when is the Tempest finally coming? We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I know that's your favorite plane, and we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> you know, it's, I've been pushing for it for many, many years, and uh, just haven't twisted enough arms yet, I guess. So. Oh, man. Every every year I'm like, ah, it's got to be coming. The Tempest has got to be coming, but we haven't seen it yet. But I, I think it'd be something, you know, just different, different type of warbird, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, FMS has the Typhoon out in, I think, a 1.1 meter, and I cannot remember the name of it. I can't remember if it was Dynam or somebody came out with a uh, basically a 1.1 meter Tempest as well a while back. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it had a three-blade prop on it instead of the scale uh, four-blade prop it should have had, but yeah. that's it still was a pretty good outline. Uh, so there's been a couple models of them out there. Um, you know, over the years, I've collected various kits of them. Uh, I have a couple, I think... Uh, 86 inch and an 82 inch kit that I got to build at some point. So I've, I've kind of got those for, you know, aspirational builds one of these years or over a winter sometime. But, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the fun things I like to do. You know, I'm, I'm still a hardcore modeler in terms of getting out some balsa wood and sanding on it and stuff. I love working with wood and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Even though I'm a foam developer, I still like, uh, still like doing the traditional modeling. Yeah. Nice. Hey, uh, speaking of foam, do you think 
you know, we're at the point where the foam really has gotten as good as you think it's going to get, or do you think down the road, and then that could be three years, five years, or whatever, though, that the foam is actually going to continue to get better? I mean, just take for an instance, we had a discussion as Chloe was asking, you know, why don't we have big, huge, giant foam warbirds? And I said, I, I think really the point is once they get so big, you're, the foam's got to be, you know, structural wise, either so thick or, or whatever, or dense to the point where they start to get too heavy. Where you know, when you get into the balsa, they're a lot, you know, a lot lighter and they fly better at the bigger size. Now, that's just an opinion I have, you know, talking to some other people. So, do you think down the road that we might start to see? Obviously, we have the Carbon Z Cessna, the Carbon Z T twenty eight, and the the Carbon Z Cub, you know, those are some pretty big foam planes that fly really good. So do you think down the road we might start to see some bigger foam planes that are lighter and fly better? Um, It's definitely a possibility. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of been pushing the the limit of foam for the past number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, T, the Carbon Z stuff's a perfect example. You look at something like the Carbon Z T28. It's a 78-inch wingspan airplane that weighs right in at 11 to 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. My... <laughs> 80-inch span P47 and my 80-inch span um, 30cc Spitfire are pushing the 22 to 25-pound range for about the same physical-sized airplane. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where the benefit of foam is. The the kind of the downside to foam is when you start getting that size that size, you have big pieces of airplane, and foam usually isn't that. Uh, doesn't take dings and dents too well, you know, taking it to your car mm-hmm. into your basement or into your storage area or whatever for your airplanes. So, you know, you have to start actually using wing bags on foam airplanes. And it, I think that's the kind of the biggest downside to foam is the surface finish can get damaged just by normal dings and dents more than anything Right. Uh, versus a, a balsa wood airplane that can kind of take that, hand, you know, day-to-day handling a little bit better. But, you know, the opposite side, you have a much lighter airplane now. I don't know if you could make a 120-inch-sized foam airplane and how that would compare weight-wise to you know the same size wood airplane because, like you were mentioning, you're going to have to add a lot of structure. The bigger you get, the more structure you have to add because foam doesn't really have that much rigidity to it. So you're going right. to have to add a lot of carbon or wood reinforcements in a lot of places, and I think that's going to negate some of the benefits of the lightness of foam. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Hey, let's jump into the timber. Because I'd really like to know a little bit more uh, behind the scenes with the timber and everything. And not only the big full-size timber that we all have around here and everybody loves, but also now the Ultra Micro, which is a huge hit. And the crazy thing is, Matt, for me, uh, I love the the big high wings. Um, I have a bunch of them. You know, started out with the, the Fun Cub and realized I could take it anywhere, fly it anywhere, could fly in the wind. You know, short field takeoff and landings. I mean, I've been a huge fan of the big high wing trainer type planes for a long time. And I know Horizon really didn't have anything. You know, you had the the Sport Cub for a while, and I had that. But, uh, you know, when you compared it to something like the Fun Cub, you know, it still flew fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but it didn't quite have the, the slow flight characteristics. Or if I wanted to go out and really have fun, the aerobatic characteristics of, say, like a, a Fun Cub or something. So when or... What made you um, decide, like, hey, I'm going to build something, and, and, you know, here's the timber, this is what we're going to do? How did that come about? 
Um, well, I've around the office, I've kind of been known as the the stole guy. Yeah, um, I've, I'm known for putting big wheels on pretty much everything. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I've always been fascinated by high lift devices, things like that. Uh, and it, back in the day, I took uh, one of our apprentices, one of the original apprentices. Uh, ripped off the battery tray, rotated it 180, added a tailwheel, big old tires, cut huge flaps on it, and actually did um, flap runs as well, so I could droop the whole trailing edge if I wanted to, um, and flew that quite a bit. So that was kind of almost the genesis uh, to the timber in terms of a foam airplane about that size with with a lot of high lift stuff on it. Uh, you know, I did the Sport Cub and pl- was able to play with the Vortex generators and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've scratch built a number of you know, short takeoff and landing airplanes. Um, so, you know, when I, when I, when we wanted to do this, you know, we were looking out there, what's out there, you know, there was the fun cub, there was a lot of scale stuff. And we're like, what if we did something that wasn't scale? So we weren't limited by anything that we had to try and emulate. We could do our own thing. If we wanted a longer tail moment or a bigger fin or more wing area or whatever we wanted to do, we can do without being limited, trying to follow a scale airplane. So, um, you know, like I said, everybody around the office knew me as the, the short takeoff and landing guy. So like, all right, here you go. Have fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I kind of went about as far as I think I could without going to the extreme and losing a lot of basically aerobatic performance to the point where it couldn't almost do aerobatics. You know, my, the ultimate would be the entire trailing edge is a flap and you're using spoilerons for roll control, mm. you know, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. is it going to be aerobatic? Probably not. I mean, you right. might be lucky to roll it. So, yes. you know, you have to strike that balance of, you know, you got to make it a fun airplane to just go out there and beat on too. You can't make it just one super, super functioned, um, you know, performance and then kind of discount everything else out there. So it was definitely a balance of trying to get okay aerobatic performance. I mean, yeah, the thing isn't going to win any roll rate contest by any means, but you can roll it. You can do point rolls. It'll knife edge. You can fly it inverted. You know stuff like that. So yes, it was definitely trying to get as slow as I could get, but still retain a park flyer kind of fun flyer. Go out and beat around on an airplane. Yeah, for sure. And I just, I mean, I couldn't believe when we got our hands on one. Like it, it's everything kind of we wanted to. It's got the the navigation's lights. The really one thing I have to give you uh, props on is a landing gear because a lot a lot of these big planes like even you know we we always goof around we're trying to do the, uh, the 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 short field takeoff and especially the landings we're always in competition so we're always plopping these things down from sometimes even a foot off the ground and they have the wire gear and they're all bent up and then we got bent up your gear design with the springs and the hinge and the foam tires I think are one of the best out there on the big you know the high wing we've all noticed that it's it's just fantastic yeah and a lot of that was it was literally just working through trying to emulate what they do on the full-size gear i mean that's pretty much how a a, you know super cub gear is articulated as well so it was kind of following what they did in the full-size world but and i you know i thought well that would be a great way to allow guys to land harder to Mm -hmm. take off on the really bad bumps but not transition all that abuse and stress into the airframe you know let the landing gear absorb it like it should yes and it just makes it easier to land and take off it doesn't bounce on the rocks and then you're scraping wingtips on you know that kind of thing so it just absorbs the bumps bumps rides over them versus getting kicked up by them so it definitely really helps for the short takeoff and landing stuff i'm curious in that uh, development how long did it take you to really get that thing down and dialed to where you're like yep this is it it's not going to get any better was it a, a long time or was it pretty quick? Uh, truthfully, our development time is right around, 
about a year to year and a half, depending on the uh, the project, uh, on most projects. So it's, you know, we kind of go through our formula that we have of, you know, how we design the airplane from drawing it in 2D to 3D, you know, working out the internals, all that. Um, when it really gets fun for us is when we start testing samples because mm-hmm. uh, you get it, you actually get to fly it and go, wow, this thing is really good or, ooh, I need to change some things <laughs> to make it better. You can see what works, what doesn't work. Right. Uh, you can see what breaks and what doesn't break, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's definitely a lot of fun. It's it's challenging at times because it can be frustrating when you keep trying stuff and it doesn't work. And it can be very rewarding when you try something and it works really well. Right. All right. Well, let's move on to the ultra micro timber here for a second, because now how long after the timber was out or you had that ready to go that you realize I've got to make an ultra micro version of this? Was it real instantaneous or was it something like you were on the forums and people were like, man, this would make an awesome ultra micro airplane. And you're like, yeah, it would. Or was that in your brain from the start? Uh, it wasn't necessarily in there from the start. Um, you know, once the uh, the 1.5 meter timber came out, we realized the popularity of it, and we thought, well, what would be another good avenue for this aircraft? You know, something that hasn't been done to this to this point before. And we thought, well, ultra micro would work perfect. This would just open it up to anybody's backyard. So we figured it'd be the best kind of all around size for anybody to experience this, and pretty much started the project. I'd say about a month or two after the uh, after the big timber came out. Wow. wow. Would you say this is like the best micro they have ever made? I, yeah, my personal <laughs> opinion, micro, ultra micro plane wise, yeah. I think this is probably the best model I, I've ever. I would agree. I've ever flown. This personally. is like the best smallest plane yeah. I've ever ever yeah. flown. Or yeah. Because the funny thing was, um, just a little background. Chloe used to fly years ago when everything was big and you know gas. So she mm-hmm. just recently got back into it and was amazed of, uh, you know, the, these new park flyers, foam, obviously electric with the LiPo batteries. Yeah. I mean, it really amazed you. So when we were uh, testing the um, Ultra Micro Timber, we brought it out. And we also had the regular size Timber, which you were looking at it, Chloe, and you're like, oh, man, I think I got to have one of these. Yeah. And then, But you weren't really looking at the Ultra Micro. You're probably like. Yeah, I was like, well, that's a nice little, like, you know, toy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's. Yeah, I thought the big one. I wanted to see the big one right. fly, and then you got that one out, and I was like, "Oh my god, this thing is so nimble, so great! It flies. You can slow it down. Yeah. You can yeah. do stunts, everything with it. It's, I can imagine myself flying this in the neighborhood with barely anywhere to fly, and you can instantly be flying with this thing." Yeah. So she was really amazed when when I just handed over the controller, and she just tooled around like, I can't believe something this little can fly this good. And the other thing we've really noticed with that plane, the light, I don't know what lights you have on there, but them little LEDs are so bright. We find ourselves flying like in the dark with that airplane in our field. No problem. I mean, the lights are amazing on that little thing. They work as they should. Yeah, you know that. Oh, go ahead. No, go Uh, ahead, Matt. Yeah, you know, that that was a a fun project to do because – you know, I kind of had a base point to work off of, so I, you know, knew how the shape should have at least looked. Um, but we did do quite a few changes uh, on the Ultra Micro versus the the larger one. You know, the control surfaces. If you look at the area of the control surfaces on the Ultra Micro versus the area of the control surface on the big one, it's a larger percentage of the wing for both ailerons and flaps because yes. they don't have that scale hinging, so they're not working as well. The Reynolds numbers are different, so mm-hmm. I had to do something to get that same kind of level of lightness when you put the flaps down and things like that. Um, right. 
you know, the tail's a little bit bigger, which when you get into the ultra micros, you usually have to blow those up because, again, there's just everything yeah. is smaller, so you have to kind of en- enlarge some things. Um, but I will say one of the most, the coolest thing about that airplane is, especially I noticed it the most when we were shooting the video. We went to a park in town, and you literally start looking around going, well, where can't I fly this? Or <laughs> yes. where is the right. area you can fly? I can fly under this tree. I can fly, yeah. you know, over in this corner of this park that I would never even think of mm-hmm. taxiing my big airplane through, let alone flying in, yes. and now you can. So yeah, my the the moment I got it, the first thing I did is drop the flaps, throw on the safe select, and just doing these super slow coordinated turns, and I was giggling away. And actually. Um, Earlier this year in May, I got my hands on the, the UMX Sport Cub, and Chris Chris was having a lot of fun with me because it you know it was probably the first first uh, you know UMX that I actually really really enjoyed. Uh, like I was up for like on a one ass for like nine to ten minutes and just bombing this thing or this thing around. And this airplane, the, the the new Timber, is that plus so much more because. Yeah, okay, I've done going slow. Let's turn the, you know, put the flaps back up. Let's go full rates mm-hmm. and just, you know, barrel through the sky and it just it just goes. And so the performance envelope on this thing, I mean, you guys hit a you hit a home run with this thing, so it's just incredible. You. Yeah, for sure. Hey, a couple people Matt, are asking us on the uh Facebook Live if you guys have a rough idea when it's going to be back in stock. Uh well, we just got a shipment in. I want to say last week that mm-hmm. basically went out and we're still waiting for more. So okay. uh, unfortunately it's a little bit more popular than we even <laughs> even imagined and we're just working as best we can to try and get caught back up. So, you know, keep an eye at your local hobby shop uh, would probably be the best spot since like I said there we sent everything we had pretty much out. So, you know, do some digging online, see if you can find somebody who has them in stock and uh, if you see one grab it. Okay. <laughs> just in time for Christmas. Yeah. Right. Oh, we snagged ours as soon as they got into Ottawa. A couple of my buddies snapped them up because we just knew. Um, so, jeez. Uh, and what was the other one that really? The, the other one that really caught my eye was the rebuild on the F twenty seven, Chris. That that new plane, and you went with the Blade uh, brand name on that, obviously. But that new one is stunning with the FPV. I had a friend just beaming around. I'm like, that is perfect for the park now. Like every, yeah. everybody's so conscious right now. Of, of the size and scales of a lot of parks, um, so that new to- the new I've got the old one with the with the older foam. And the new one's just so much more durable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when we realized we could we could mold that in that foam, we're like, oh, we got to do it, especially for FPV, because you know you're going to be bumping oh, into stuff. Yes. You're going to try and fly close to trees <laughs> and things. So it it, it kind of made sense. Um, and yeah, it's it's good <clears> to fly. You know, we have a, a ball chasing each other around uh, out at work, and you know, going around the trees and the light poles and the parking lots and stuff like that so we have a good time with it yeah um i have a few technical things for you with these ultra micros um first i seen a discussion uh might have been on i don't know if it was rc groups or where i was seeing it but there was a lot of uh discussion with on the ultra micro stuff with the slats especially on the the timber or even maybe on the park flyers the uh vortex generators how a lot of people were saying that at that scale and everything that they really don't do anything now my ultra micro timber um i put the slats on right away i have flown the regular size timber both with the slats and without the slats and i know it for sure made a difference but for the ultra micro stuff, those slats, do they really actually help out? Can you tell us, you know, I'm, uh, or are they more cosmetic on something that small? 
Um, they actually are very, very functional, even at that scale. Um, you know, a lot of people believe when you start getting to, you know, park flyer and smaller size that something magical changed with the aerodynamics. It really doesn't. It's, yeah, the air kind of quote unquote acts thicker because you have different Reynolds numbers, mm-hmm. but the air is still flowing like it does just on the big stuff. Um, you know, uh, years ago I had built a, uh, SIG manufacturing a helio courier kit. It's a 30 inch wingspan helio courier. Mm-hmm. And I put the full span leading edge slats on it and the slotted flaps and the whole nine yards. And they are actually servo controlled. And when you put the flaps and slats out, cause they're actually uh, together on one servo. Uh-huh. It's like you threw out a boat anchor. The thing <laughs> just stops in midair. That is awesome. And you can definitely exploding. feel the difference. Um, in aileron authority with the slats on and slats off at slow speed. Um, wow. You know, I, I noticed when I was doing the sport cub with the vortex generators on versus off, mm-hmm. I could get a little bit more high angle of attack and it just felt a little bit more stable as I was doing those passes, you know, as slow as I can get do about eye level. Yeah. And the same thing with the timber. The timber is really probably the most, most obvious because of how much of an angle of attack you can get. And if you kind of wiggle the ailerons, you still have authority. You don't have – it's not fast, but you still have it. So, yeah. you know, it's definitely doing the job even at these smaller scales. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I've been messing with leading-edge devices for years. Uh, when I was much, much younger, I used to make little free-flight gliders and just throw them across my living room. <laughs> and then I'd start cutting in little flaps and little leading-edge droops and stuff like that to see if I could make them go slower. And I'll right. be darned if it doesn't make a pretty big difference. So yeah. the, the, the trick is making it – the right airfoil. Uh, I mean, you look at the leading edge slats on something like the micro timber, it's pretty much got a razor trailing edge and it's, it's a nice little airfoil shape. You know, if you just put kind of a flat plate out there, that's kind of at the same angle, of course it's not going to do that much because you're, you're disturbing the air. You know, as you get smaller, you have to be much more accurate with your airfoils and trailing edges and gaps and things like that to make it work. But it definitely still works at that scale. Yeah. It's funny with the, the sport cub, uh, running joke around here was, you know, I could get the thing so slow that the vortex generators worked so good that the wing would actually carry lift and it would still fly, but the uh, control surfaces wouldn't do anything because it was going so slow and didn't have enough air over them, but the wing kept flying. And everybody used to joke about that. It's like, how do you get that thing that slow? And, you know, but it, well, I couldn't do anything with it. It would go straight, but I couldn't, you know, turn or, you know, it was funny. Exactly. And, you know, that's truthfully the part of the problem when you start running into these uh, short takeoff and landing airplanes. Your airspeed is getting down to the point where, you know, you've got a lot of prop blast over the center section of the wing. So mm-hmm. it's providing a lot of lift. But you don't have a lot of actual air flowing over the control surface. Yes. So you've got to anticipate movements because once it starts moving, there's just the mass starts moving. You don't have the authority yes. to stop it. So especially yes. on ailerons when you're just hanging it in there, it's mainly rudder and just working it. And right, yeah, it, you know, it, it's kind of funny. You know, you're you're banging the stick and the airplane isn't doing yes. a thing. Yes, yes, we have noticed that. Um, let's see, what was the other? Oh, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is obviously. You know, when you guys first started bringing out these ultra micro planes, it was unbelievable that we had something that could, you know, that small that we could fly. And what we've noticed and talked about here a couple podcasts ago also is, you know, in the beginning, a lot of these ultra micros, if you really think back and look at it, it was amazing, but they really compared to the new stuff, they flew terrible. (laughs) Like, you know, I had the old original J3 Cub, and again, at, at that time, it was amazing that I was flying this thing out in my front yard and la- t- taking off and landing out in my street. Now I have the new J3 Cub, and it's night and day, 100% better, flies better. Uh, we have the Ultra Micro Timber, 
it just seems now, you know, on some of these where you're moving up to the two cell, you guys have found the right size, you know, even mm-hmm. though they've they've gone up a little bit mm-hmm. in size, but you guys have found the right combination of motor, you know, we now have the brushless motors um, that they're flying 100% better. Is that what you guys have Servos seen? Servos are better. Yeah, everything just seems better about them. Mm-hmm. Is that something you guys figured out over the last few years? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's been a natural progression. I mean, you look at the first ultra micros we brought out, which was the Cessna 210 and the Citabria. Yeah, those oh, things, that's those right. Those things were, you know, I mean, truthfully, the first time I actually flew one um, was at the Toledo trade show. Mm-hmm. And it was late. I think it was like a Saturday night or a Friday night. It was after the auction or whatever. We were upstairs in that, that big atrium area where they hold the auction. Yeah. Sitting in these big comfy lounge chairs basically flying the Cessna around and whoever hit the wall had to go get it and pass the transmitter. <laughs> and we did that till probably one in the morning. I mean, oh it was just gosh. mind boggling. You could fly an RC airplane yeah. in a tight air. I mean, it, that wasn't, you know, a flat foamy or something like that. It was a real airplane flying on the wing. And, uh, you know, what we learned on those airplanes to what we can do now, I mean, it's, it's been a constant improvement in both the servos. You know, if you look at the servos now, uh, even the little linear servos, they have ball bearing support they have a brass you know keeper on the end instead of a little plastic keeper mm-hmm. you know we've, we've refined them over the years to make them much more durable and more reliable and just better serve us more power um and the same you know with the power systems you know and i and i will say there is going to be room for brush stuff as well as brushless stuff i mean there you can do different things with both types of power systems again you know i i use the pt17 analogy that thing works perfect as a 1s yes. brushed airplane you right. look at the night vapor, that thing works perfect as a 1S brushed airplane. Absolutely. If you made that 2S brushless, well, no. you kind of lost all that makes it a vapor and fl- being able to fly in your living room or in your house. So, you know, there, there's always going to be, you know, different aspects of ultra micro models from, you know, super slow f- indoor flyers to stuff like the ultra micro A10 that you need to go to a park and fly it almost because it's, it's got the performance. So, Yes. You know, it's it's definitely a progression. We're always trying to push that envelope. I mean, that's one thing that we really pride ourselves in. We have a lot of really, really high quality modelers at work that work in product development that love doing what they do. And we, we really hope it shows with our products. You know, we really we really care and try and put out the best work we can. We work together to, to solve problems with these and, mm-hmm. and figure out how to make them as good as we can. Right. Speaking of, uh, you were just talking about vapor. Let's jump into the new uh, vapor that you guys coming out because I'm at first, you know, I I, I was kind of excited, but I wasn't super excited until I actually watched your Facebook live and you you really dove into the details and what you did with it and shrunk it down. I, I'm telling you right now, I'm super excited because I have to this day I still have the original vapor and I bought that when it first come out flew the absolute daylights out of it and it got to a point Matt where some of us even mine today it, it's so wore out and it's so wiggly and and what we were doing was we were we were trying to lighten them up so like I cut the battery tray off of it and was using a rubber band I cut the uh the wing strut supports on you know the bottom of the wing to make it lighter and I literally can just I mean, super, super slow flight this thing around my house. Well, then the the mini vapor come out, and I was, I mean, so excited for that thing that I drove two hours north to a hobby town up in, <laughs> up in Cleveland when they because they were the first ones to get it, bought it, and coming home. Now, don't get me wrong, I still have it. 
I still fly it every now and then, but it, it never really lived up to that super slow flight like the original Vapor did. It's still cool because it, it, you know, it shrunk down. So what you did, which is so cool, is you took the mini Vapor frame, put a little bit bigger wing on it, obviously redesigned it. So now we have some a shrunk down Vapor that sounds like it <laughs> flies just as good is the original vapor but also has more power to where you you know and more uh control authority you can do super tight turns super tight loops you know it's more aerobatic so you just got it i mean fill us in a little bit how that came about yeah so um you know like you mentioned i i basically took during the development i kind of made my own prototype at work uh which made it kind of nice i didn't have to wait for you know a factory <laughs> to make me a sample or cnc something but mm -hmm. uh I literally took a mini vapor and took an old night vapor wing carbon and, uh -huh. you know, used the same framework for the uh, mini vapor ribs and everything and, and basically figured out what size wing span wing area I needed to make it, you know, have kind of a similar wing loading to something like the night vapor. Uh, I got it done and we started flying around the office and we're like, wow, this is, this could be, could be a cool thing. Uh -huh. And then, uh, one of the guys at work, uh, was like, well, what if we added more control surface throw? Like, all right, let's try it. So I got down to exacto knife, drilled a couple little holes in the push rods in the uh, control horns, and moved them in. And wow, this thing got a lot more maneuverable. All this is fun, and everything was going along. And then I started looking around, like, well, wait a minute, these quad guys are using like seventeen thousand and nineteen thousand kV six millimeter motors. Uh huh. I wonder how that would work on there. And uh -huh. and literally, I. I <laughs> I went over to James Haley's office. I'm like, hey, you got a dead inductrix pro? And yeah, here you go. And he gave me the frame and I pulled off and, you know, had to press that little tiny pinion gear on, which is no fun, but, yeah. you know, soldered it up and it was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a thing now. This is, this is something I've never seen in a vapor. You've never been able to climb vertically with a vapor before. Uh, you've never been able to have something so maneuverable before that you can fly indoors kind of slow or be pretty aggressive with. And th the wild thing is actually this week, I took my night vapor into work. I was like, all right, let, let's see how they compare side to side. Cause it'd been a little bit since I had flown the night vapor, you know, as in comparison to this. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I'm even going to put the, the, uh, vapor light HP motor in my night vapor. So it has more power. Uh -huh. I want to see, you know, how a bigger vapor with more power does. And I was flying around and it was noticeably more power and it would just, just barely climb out vertical, but it just didn't have the same controllability the same tight turning ability as that shorter coupled vapor light um you know it just didn't feel locked in you know trying to hover i thought we thought oh it's a longer airframe it's going to be much more stable trying to kind of prop hang a vapor now now the, the mini vapor lights much better for that um i actually was walking around the office going you know around the halls with it probably sitting 80 degrees nose high maybe 70 degrees nose high walking slower than walking speed just kind of walking the dog, if you will, around the office just to do it. And it, it was a blast. I mean, I was having more fun doing that than, you know, trying to fly on the wing or anything. So I, I, I hope it gives a, a new experience to guys who have flown the Vapor and enjoy the Vapor. But now you have something that's got a lot more power so you can actually play with some vertical maneuvers. You know, if you have a tall ceiling, you can go up to the roof and do some cool spins and stuff on the way down. So I think it'll it'll kind of energize it, and I, I can't wait to see kind of the dumb vapor tricks guys come up with this. <laughs> and it'll probably it looks like inverted. Yeah, inverted. Yeah, inverted vapor. It looks like you've changed the prop shaft just a tiny bit as well. Like it's no longer as long because I'll fly my FPV vapor around the yard, and maybe after you know half a dozen batteries or something like that, I'll just inevitably break the shaft on the prop. So I'm. It, it looks like you 
shorten that that distance between the prop and the and the gear motor. Yeah, it's it's considerably uh, shorter um, prop shaft there. The threads are pretty short, and the prop when you thread it on actually covers a lot of the threads. So you don't have that kind of stress riser right at where the threads are cut. Um, you know, also even though it's a weight penalty, I wanted to have the little spinner on there because inevitably what happens is you hit a wall and yeah. it goes nose down and slides down the wall and hits mm-hmm. right on its nose every mm-hmm. single time. No matter yep. what, that's the way it's yep. going to hit the ground pretty much. Yes. So, you know, that's just an extra little bit of protection. It, it's kind of worth the weight. You know, the, the motor plugs in. So worst case scenario, you need to replace a motor. You don't have to desolder from the board oh, anymore. You can just nice. unplug, plug in. You know, there's a lot of little things like that that, okay, it might be a little bit of a weight penalty, but I think the convenience of it uh far away is it nice nice oh i can't mm-hmm. wait to get my hands on that thing honestly and so it, it, so good i was gonna say so how long before we see an fpv uh vapor light hd hp <laughs> well you know the, the airplane will carry it um again because it's just a smaller airframe than than the vapor fpv um it's probably going to fly pretty quick with a with a camera on it there's no reason you couldn't do it um yeah. you know with that extra bit of power it should be fine being able to carry, you know, a little piece of double-sided tape, slap the camera on there. If you like it, great. Um, I, I think it'll do well. I think it'll fly a little bit faster than, than maybe even the FPV vapor just because the wing loading is going to start to start to creep up. But uh, I can imagine camera technology as it continues to get better is going to get lighter and lighter and lighter. You know, we were running, I think, a 6-gram camera on the FPV vapor, and they're already down to almost half that now in places. Yeah. So. You know, it, it's only a matter of time before it. You can strap a camera on anything and get almost negligible performance uh, increase. Right. It, I I don't have the biggest yard. Uh, it's considerably smaller than what Chris has. And for me, my Vapor is the one aircraft that I know I can fly in that yard because that that rudder authority is just amazing. You know, oh, coming to a tree, left turn, right turn. But yeah, as soon as you hit a really solid gust of wind, you're you're you know you're you're looking at ground. But it is still the one airplane that I can fly with total confidence in the backyard. So this this is this is uh, exciting looking. Yeah, uh, and you know, it, it's actually really fun to play with because depending on how you want to fly it, if you're gonna you know just be some cruising some cruising around, flying more on the wing, you know, slide the battery all the way forward trim the elevator so you basically don't have to touch it and it'll just cruise and you just oh. you just breathe on the rudder and it'll do nice gentle turns yet if you want it to be pretty aggressive you start sliding that battery back and it can get to a point where it gets tail heavy don't get don't get confused here you can get pretty yeah. pretty pitch sensitive and stuff like that makes hovering a little easier mm-hmm. but uh, you're kind of fighting it when you when you flop over and you're full throttle and you're going fast and all of a sudden you're like oh well, geez I gotta <laughs> touch that down a little bit or throw some expo in there or something but um the CG range that you can play with on it just makes it so versatile and so fun to see what you can do with it. Again, I, I'm super excited to see what maneuvers guys will figure out you can do, what inverted flight, flat spins, you name it. Um, when I was shooting the video, that spin that you see in the video was actually the first time I did that. Wow. I'd never really played in such a high, you know, from a high altitude doing something and it wadded up into that spin. I'm like, okay, that was cool. And then I did <laughs> it again to prove that it was something that's repeatable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, and that was just like, again, a quick, let me just go up, put the sticks in the corners, and see what it does. And yeah, and even that vertical climb you were doing in the video, I was like, "Holy cow! Look at that! A vapor doing a vertical climb. That was crazy." Yeah, and and truthfully, those batteries are nothing special. There are, I think, are fourteen C seventy milliamp hour batteries, and they're actually not new ones. They've been ones that've been sitting around for a while. So you know, you get. I know there's a lot of battery companies out there. You get some fresh fourteen C batteries. You'll probably see even more performance than you're seeing uh, seeing in the video and things like that. So. 
Um, I actually have flown it on a 30 milliamp hour battery, like from the original Mini Vapor, mm-hmm. and that's a that really gets it lightweight. Now your flight time's only like three minutes or so, four minutes, but it's yeah. a fun three or four minutes. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What you know, you had a big kind of battery range there for that thing. What is your favorite uh, milliamp battery, and what kind of flight times are you getting on that? Uh, truthfully, the 70 is my favorite. It's, it's the best balance between power and flight time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're if you're really just hanging in the prop, you're looking at about five minutes. Oh, um, if you're Jeez. cruising, obviously you can extend that 10, 12, depending really? on what you're doing with the throttle. Oh, that's sweet. If you're really just trying to fly at you know minimal power setting, just let it cruise and let it use the efficiency flying on the wing. Yeah, you can easily probably get 10 minutes out of it. Oh, nice. And then you throw a 150, and well, that goes out the door. You're probably 15 easy. So wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm ex- that is one thing I'm really excited about for this winter. Now, I, I'm going to throw this out there, and I probably already know the answer, though, because I love the Night Vapor because it does have the lights, you know, even if it, you know, in late evening or whatever, you can fly that around the house, you know, with the lights, or even outdoors in the summertime, we used to fly them a lot, you know, on nice calm night. I'm assuming you didn't put any kind of lights or anything on it just for a weight issue, correct? Exactly, yeah. This one was... Again, you know, I was focusing on trying to keep it as light as possible, have a good performance, but still make it, you know, user friendly and durable. Again, with the spinner and the connector for the motor, but uh, yeah, it was it was basically a performance type airplane. Uh, you know, the night vapor is not going to go anywhere; uh, it's still going to stay in our line. So, mm-hmm. for those guys who want, you know, an indoor flyer with lights that you can fly in your living room, in your backyard, you know, on a nice calm summer evening, you know, absolutely, that's still going to be around. But for the guys who want an indoor flyer that's a little bit more agile with some more performance then you got the vapor light so i think it's going to be a good a good companion to each other you know they are different flying experiences even though they're both film covered high wing three channel airplanes right and then uh, of course uh, almost maybe want to get two of them because i'd like to have one stock just crank around and then i'd like to get another one and do what i did to the original vapor is just start cutting stuff off of it and trying to lighten it up a little <laughs> bit more to see how slow is is that something you've tried yet, Matt, to where, you know, you were trying to lighten it up just for your own personal, you know, gains, you know, to lighten it up and see how light you can get it? Uh, truthfully, I haven't made an, an Uber vapor yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, back, I've messed around with vapors for quite a while. I've made a vapor glider. I used the, basically found the square stick that is the same diameter of the fuselage. Got a replacement wing and tail, and it's about twice the length of a normal vapor. Just put a little bitty foam pod up in the nose with a, mm-hmm. I think I'm running a 70 milliamp hour battery and just the little brick, and it's a lot of fun. It actually glides surprisingly well, and I actually have it, we were towing it up with another vapor, and I just have a little tiny piece right. of Velcro that I have to, you know, kind of yank off to get it to disconnect, but, uh, it's kind of fun seeing those things just cruise around at such a slow speed. It's it's ridiculous looking. That is hilarious. Oh my god! Imagine so, like thirty of those in the air at the same time, oh, yeah. like you know, <laughs> right. flight fast. Yeah. I think that's kind the of a thing. I mean, like a big gnat uh, swarm. Yeah. You know? Well, there was that one year, Chris. That uh, I forget his name now, but there was one guy who had the night vapor, and we were walking along, and we're like, "What's the little thing in the air?" And it was a it was a night vapor at flight past fifteen or sixteen. You know, just poke poking along and just yeah. you know up forever it was beautiful actually adam drain has a question for you matt Thank he you. says in the video the in, in the mic the the lightweight vapor video there's a bunch of names on a on a whiteboard and he was very curious about some of those uh i'm just gonna say no comment on that <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh man 
That was great. We, we everybody everybody flagged it and it was like, pause the video here and read. And I'm like, oh, those here those, we go. The, 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 the fun <laughs> little good. department, little yeah. hints. We love. We know this podcast. We love our little teases and our little hints. Yeah. Hey, um, you got to have fun. This is a fun hobby. It's it's all yes. about uh, enjoying it and good times. So it's 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 about playing and and enjoying it. Right. I, and it's funny because you released the timber, the UMX timber, and just after that. You broke news recently about the air command, the Aero Commander, and oh, yeah. both Chris and I were like, "Ooh, that yep. looks like a slick winter plane too." Yeah, yeah. We just started shipping that one. Uh, guys are just getting their hands on it now. Um, you know that that one is, as an aviation enthusiast, a lot of us at the office really love the Aero Commander. You know, we know who Bob Hoover was mm-hmm. growing up. We watched that you know energy management routine a thousand times. I kid you not. Um, <laughs> You know, it's just a, such an amazing pilot and seeing what he can do with a civilian airplane. And we looked at it and we're like, that would actually make a pretty good, you know, ultra micro. Uh, you know, we had the the system from the A-10 in terms of the board. That's a twin brushless board. Mm-hmm. And okay. so we ended up using that in the Air Commander. And, you know, the neat thing about the Air Commander is it's basically got twice the power of a single engine airplane, yet it's only about one and a half times bigger. And that's where you really get the performance gains of going to the twin um, I noticed it somewhat when I did the Ultra Micro Mosquito uh, compared to the other 1S brush warbirds. The Mosquito seemed to have equal to or better performance in terms of vertical ability and stuff like that. This Aero Commander is going to knock your socks off with the power. I mean, you can take off and you go vertical till that thing is a speck. Really? It it's not even breathing. <laughs> I kid you not. It, wow. It's fast. It's very aerobatic, yet it can slow down really, really well. Uh, Chris Puckett did an amazing, amazing job on this airplane. Um you know, we fly it around all the time. We have a ball with it. it it's an extremely capable. You know, it's twin engines. It sounds cool. It's super easy to belly land and hand launch with the, the way the fuselage with the high wing. So it's going to be great for, you know, flying off snow or anything like that if you want to hand launch and belly land into that. Um, you know, with the wheels, it takes off and land beautiful, beautifully. You can just grease it in, you know, keep that nose high and hold that nose wheel off. It's, <laughs> it's a really, really fun airplane that uh, we think once guys get on their hands and realize what it the performance it has, they're going to, oh, wow, this is more than I ever expected out of an Ultra Micro. <laughs> right. Oh. UMX, UMX start out of specs. <laughs> Cute. Yeah, he's, I'm he's waiting being, for those. Yeah, Chloe. You, uh, actually, I've got one, I think, yeah, that's you, on hold as soon as, I think Aerotech has it oh, Tuesday, I think. They Tuesday? They think oh, they're expecting nice. Tuesday. Right, I might nice. have one next week. Oh, wow. Oh, fantastic. Uh, was that a hard sell, though? You know, that, I mean, it's kind of an off the beaten path type airplane for Horizon, even, I think. Not not that I don't, you know, wouldn't think that's really cool. You guys are doing something different, but was it a hard sell? Um, you know, not really. Uh, again, because of the kind of the history of that airplane mm-hmm. and that it's well known in the aviation circles, that that's really makes it a lot easier you know uh, some obscure twin engine nobody's heard of it airplane yeah uh-huh. that gets a little bit tougher you know because you want to at least have that recognition of of you know that airplane among the modeling community at the same time it's a, just a good looking twin engine general aviation airplane so that helps as well it doesn't have any weird lines it doesn't look strange from any way so that helps as well um you know we had done twin engine warbirds you know we did the ultra micro mosquito we did the park yeah. flyer mosquito we've done yeah. um uh, twin otter and hangar nine you know we've done some some airplanes um that were twins and see how they do so we know that there's always a market for twins guys i mean the twins are cool airplanes don't yes. get me wrong it's just it's a different flying experience you get that cool harmonic sound of the props mm-hmm. yep um 
and we've like, you know, there's only one way to find out if it's going to be a, a good product or not, and that's to do it and get it out there and see what people really think about it. And we think the re- response has initially been great. And like I said, well, I think once people fly it and start, you know, getting other videos out there and guys sharing what they know about it and how it flies, I think it's going to get even more popular just because of how well it does do. And like I said, everybody loves a powerful airplane. You know, every time we release something, somebody's putting more cells or a bigger motor or a bigger prop or doing something to it to make it faster, better, whatever. And this is going to be one of the few ultra micros I think I was going to be like, I might fly this stock for just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping they mail, yeah. build a big one, you know, like oh. the Cessna. Oh, you they, want a big one. I then. want a big one like that with the twin props on there. Yeah. Retracts uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice to have an ultra micro with, you know, ultra micro retracts too. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. You're throwing it out there. You think down the road, Matt, that might be something of, of an option at all. If, uh, you know, and again, we could we're, might be talking two years, three years, four years that some of these ultra micros might have some retracts in them. I hate to say it, but probably not. And I'll tell you why. Okay. And it's it's only because we've actually messed with it before. I figured um, you have. You know, I've I've scratch built a number of. You know, my favorite thing is to take. Uh, stick and tissue models, free flight rubber band models, mm-hmm. and convert them to RC using our ultra micro gear. Okay. Because there is there is more subject matter out there. I mean, you can find free flight kits from the 30s up until recently that work. Um, and a lot of them are re-releasing in laser cut kits. So, I mean, you can find a, some cool stuff. Um, I've done a 20-inch Hawker Tempest. Shocking, I know. <laughs> um, I've done a 27-inch uh, CRJ200 regional jet using basically uh, the A-10 fans. I seen that and too. I have retracts on both of those. Um, the Tempest retracts are the most finicky, fragile, darn mm. things you can possibly imagine. And I really tried to make them slightly durable. Mm-hmm. Um, the CRJs are better, but again, it's it's a very fragile system. And to get it to work in an ultra micro scale and not be a fragile system, I mean, think about landing on one of those linear servos. That's kind of what yeah. the mechanics you're working with there. A one hard landing, they're done. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not like it can't be done. It's the fact that I think a lot of people are going to be frustrated the first time they have a bad landing and end up tearing up a gear and then have to pay a lot to fix it. Right. Rewire yeah. leads and linkages and this and that and the other. So while I think it's it's great and I would love to be able to do it, I just don't think the weight versus complexity versus performance gain you're going to get from it mm-hmm. is going to work unless we find just the right airframe or the right type of retract or something. And you never know. Something may come up and be like, oh, well, that works. But, you know, yeah. a lot of guys have on, you know, on the forums and stuff have messed with ultramicro retracts, made their own, and I think they've kind of come to the same, same conclusion. Yeah, you can make it work, but you got to respect it and treat it right or else they're just going to bust every single landing. And you got to, you know, in the surface too, if you're on a sidewalk crack, can take out your gear. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff you're True. looking at now when you start working with retracts versus just a simple piece of wire snapped into a plastic plate on the bottom of the airplane. Yeah, that's Again, a good point. it's something I would yeah. love to do, but I just don't <clears throat> think that the durability is, is there when you start working with mechanics that small and you're talking about two to three ounces smacking on it and the surfaces we're flying at and the scales we're working at. Yeah. Um, as far since you tried the Z-Foam there with the new F-27, is that something you guys might be looking into the future too with the, uh, more of the Ultra Micro Series is getting away from the EPP and going to the EPO? Or is it still kind of too big, thick, heavy, and not going to work? That's that's truthfully going to be probably more product-specific. Mm-hmm. Um, some products will react to that much better than others. Uh, the EPO tends to be heavier than the EPS. Right. And again, like you mentioned, can't be molded with as much detail. 
you know, so for something like the Ultramicro Wildcat, for example, you probably couldn't mold, mold that very well out of EPO because I think you'd lose a lot of the surface definition you're getting out of the EPS. Oh, gotcha. Um, Oh, and then okay. you're going to also get a weight improvement. Now you're going to get a durability improvement too. So it's going to be a trade-off, which is why, you know, we're going to have to say, yeah, hey, I think this airframe warrants it. This airframe maybe doesn't. Right. That makes sense. Huh. Um, you know, we're always interested, Matt, in things you're working on or what you're doing. And I always like to ask you every time we talk to you, uh, I think a while back, one of your, your uh, staple airplanes was still the, 20, the T-28. But even now today, what's in your hangar that's either in your car all the time or something you, that you always take with you, what's in your hangar now that you keep and always fly? You know, truthfully, I I have so much stuff, I hate to say it, but I still kind of mix it up every once in a while. Um, you know, now that I have the Ultra Micro Timber, that makes it super easy to throw in the car. Um, but at the same time, I have to make sure I have batteries, charging this and that. So truthfully, it, it, it comes back to like something like the Whippet. You know, something uh-huh. I can have a 150 milliamp hour battery uh-huh. in the car, in the airplane, that'll last weeks just sitting there in the airplane. <laughs> yes. Um, I can just grab one of my older transmitters that I'm not as concerned about, you know, an old DX4 or a little old six-channel radio, and just leave that in the car. And, you know, I can fly it anywhere. If I find a little park or a little hill, which in central Illinois is hard to find, <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that, I can I can go out and you know, get, get my fix in for flying. Um, and again, because it's a glider, it's quiet, there's no motor. Mm-hmm. You're not going to bother anybody. You know, nobody's going to be intimidated by it. Um, biggest issue is probably going to be making sure there's no dogs around that'll chase it when it's in flight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the funny story about the whip it is when you guys brought that out, that was, I purchased cause I'm a DLG guy. So, you know, when you brought that, out, I'm like, I got to have one. And we had them at flight fest a couple years ago. And it was so funny because it actually got to the point, Matt, where <laughs> we had them tuned so good and we were starting to fly them so well that it boiled right down to who could get the, the highest toss. <laughs> it got to the point we were chucking them poor little whippets so hard that, you know, like the tail and the wing were just starting to kind of uh, stress fracture a little bit because, you know, it was basically whoever got up the highest you know was the last one down um but man we we had i mean hours and hours and hours of fun with that little whippet just cruising around it was so much fun and for the price and and we talked about it for a long time you know anybody looking to get into dlgs that don't want to spend two three four five six hundred dollars on a high price dlg the Whippet is perfect to get into it, to try it out. It, it's a fantastic, matter of fact, it's still hanging on the wall right here. And that's the other thing, Chloe, that you haven't tried yet was a DLG that we'll have to get you out. But yeah, fantastic product. Um, is there anything you uh, in the future? Uh, maybe I know there's a couple other companies out there that have actually branched out and went into um, some cheaper foam DLGs. Have you guys looked into that at all, making something bigger than the Whippet? Um, you know, we, we have looked at it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, uh, most of us have the, uh, the LaBelle, uh, from yes, from, and, and, yep. and like that airplane, it's a good DLG. Again, it's one of those airplanes, you know, since a lot of us also have, you know, blasters, mm-hmm. and, uh, like for example, Craig Greening, he goes and competes at the Nats with, with DLGs, So he's got the latest and greatest every darn year. So he brings in some hoopty <laughs> 40 gram, you know, whatever yeah. thing that weighs nothing and is just immaculately built and we drool all over it for a while and yeah. he goes and competes every year with them so you know we we've kind of do the whole spectrum so the foam stuff is it's, it's 
it's definitely different. You know, you can't throw a labelle as hard as you can throw a blaster. It yes. just starts getting wiggly and yep. weird. And yep. um, like I said, some of our guys are pretty hardcore DLG competitors. And mm-hmm. when they get an airplane, they throw it with their competition throw. And I've seen some pretty ugly throws with some of the foam gliders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something we've looked at, but we kind of feel there's stuff out there that satisfies that aspect of the market. Um, mm-hmm. You know, ArmSource coming out with the, some of the smaller... One, uh, like one meter composite airplanes that are reasonably priced compared to even something like uh, the you know the one point five meter full composite stuff that right. you know allows you to get kind of that next level uh, yeah. without breaking the bank, but you know something you can actually put some power behind, and get some good performance yep. out of. Um, yeah, I, uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff out there, uh, and you know we we try not to step on anybody's toes. You know we're looking for stuff to do that will be our own. You know, mm-hmm. we don't like doing me too stuff as much. You know, we try and be, innovate as much as we can. We try and look for, you know, trends of what's coming up or create new trends if possible. That's, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're always looking for that new thing. We're always trying to push, like I said, push the envelope, see what we can do in this hobby to make it better, more fun, different. And, uh, I just hope we're doing that. So, yeah, I got a, uh, one of my favorite DLGs I got hanging on the wall. Here's an elf. It's uh, pretty affordable to get in the DLG, but good quality. And, oh man, it's one of my favorite things to fly is my little elf. I actually ended up with, uh, one of the mini top skies, which is right in that, right same in that range. And I bought the, I bought the four channel one and I have literally tried everything <laughs> in my power to kill it. And I cannot, uh, I mean, I've, I've hurt my hand and arm throwing it as hard as possible and it just takes it. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to get the performance of a 1.5 meter, but if I just want to go beat yeah. on something and yep. not hurt my, my still original whip it, then I'll go yes, fly that. I know. Do they have like a slingshot launcher, you know, you can make for the gliders? <laughs> Uh, no, not that I, I mean, they got a high start, you know, I yeah. still, I still have Matt, I still got my <laughs> KA8 that we take out and we tow and, uh, do a high start. And that's another plane that went away that I really kind of, you know, wish it was still around. Uh, that's another fun airplane. I remember it's, back in uh, the day they had for the gliders, the big long slingshots that when oh, they would pull them back yep. and then they would take off that way. Yeah. Something like that, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, I actually learned how to fly on sailplanes, and that was always terrifying. When like my first launch on the high star was just like <laughs> so nerve wracking because all yes. of a sudden your pride and joy is just racing up a line at forty <laughs> miles an hour straight vertical, yes. and you're like, I hope it doesn't crash because this I is terrible. Yeah, just you've never seen a glider go that fast, and it's your glider. I know. And- <laughs> yeah, and it's a good work. Yeah, you know, I tell everybody it uh, does a high star with a glider. It's a good workout. It's a really good workout. Um, oh, yeah. Couple more questions, Matt, before we let you go. Um, one of them is you kind of touched on a little bit earlier, you know, from four or five years ago, the warbirds have kind of drifted off a little bit, you know, these high wing things. Where do you see the hobby going here in the next year or two? Do you guys have a vision or do you have a vision or something that where you think the direction is going for the hobby? I mean, obviously the, the micro quad things are, they're still very popular and, you know, the drone stuff is very popular, but, uh, here at RC After Hours, we like it all, and but I think we're still a little bit on more on the plane side. But so, where do you think uh, it's going on on the plane side for the hobby? You know, uh, there there's so many things that are are good about RC airplanes. I mean, there's so many different avenues from you know sailplanes to 
fast airplanes to slow airplanes to scale stuff to general aviation to military. I mean, so I think there's always going to be a good mix of all of that. I don't think there's going to be anything that's really going to set the world on fire uh, in terms of a trend for the next while, at least that I can see. I mean, you know, 3D for a good four or five years was all that you heard about mm-hmm. when it first came out of the scene. I mean, it was 3D this, 3D yeah. that, you know, big warbird vents died and became, you know, guys showing up with, uh, you know, 100cc aerobatic airplanes. And all you'd see is four or five of those hovering for the entire event. So, and that's kind of tapered back down and kind of become a better balance again. And warbirds have kind of come back uh, in that segment. So I think it's just going to be an ebb and flow of different things. Um, I think, you know, nowadays you see a lot of manufacturers, including us, trying Trying some things maybe we haven't done before. We're not, you know, we're not trying to do okay another Mustang, another Cub. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're always going to have a Mustang and a Cub. So yeah. guys, you say, oh, another Mustang or Cub, we're going to do that. We're always going to do that. It's going to be the way. It is. There's right. no way around it. Yes. But we're going to try and do stuff that that maybe you haven't seen before. And I think that's a trend you've seen. For, like I said, through other manufacturers, you look at something like, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, Extreme Flight, where they took the turbo beaver looking thing like the acro duster looking thing mm-hmm. and they basically turn civilian general aviation airplanes into 3d airplanes yeah. that's a oh, very yeah. cool take on something that is different and is mm-hmm. new and i think a lot of people are having fun with so you know i think there's gonna be things like that that are gonna pop up and people are gonna be really excited about and is a different type of flying um you know of course as technology increases that's going to be a big big pusher in things you're going to see you know, more stability, more options, more things you can. I mean, you know, the the, the sky's really endless on in this uh, in this avenue mm-hmm. in terms of electronics. Things are going to get smaller, lighter, faster, better. Um, it's just a matter of time before it trickles down to our industry um, and allows us to do some of these cool things. So, you know, like I said, you always keep an eye out. We're always trying to push that envelope. We got a lot of guys who are always looking for the new thing, the best thing. Um, you know, working together to see how we can solve problems the best and make make the best product we can. Right. Have you, with with a lot of the rule legislation, I, we're we're dealing with a lot of stuff up up here in Canada now that are, that's changing our hobby. Have you seen uh, a bigger demand for things like the UMX aircraft that get below you know a certain weight class, certain size class? Um, you know, a little bit. It it wasn't nearly as much as I thought. Uh, truthfully, with the registration, um, all of us, of course, registered, and you know. Right after that happened, we went to Joe Nall, and it didn't seem to really yeah. affect it that much. It seemed like about the same number of people flying the same number of airplanes. Um, you know, so I think if you're going to do it and you're into this hobby, okay, it's a $5 registration, whatever. I have to put a sticker in my airplane, and I can still go out and hang with my friends at this flying field and fly. Now, exactly. you might have had to have been a little bit more careful if you're flying at a park or, mm-hmm. okay, I need to actually look at a map and see what airport's around me because I really don't want to get in trouble for flying too close to an airport or – you know, now, cause somebody an issue that's going to put a black eye in this hobby. So, you know, of course, we're always extremely careful being, you know, Horizon Hobby. We we try and go out there and promote doing things the correct way. You know, make sure you know where you're flying at all times. If there's a full size airplane, even in the area, get your airplane on the ground. Don't even don't even risk it. I mean, you know, unless he's ten thousand feet flying overhead or something like that. Uh, but you know, we we tend to promote safety as much as possible. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Some of that regulation seems to, at least in the U.S. here, kind of been reeled back a little bit now, um, where they're refunding the registration and that kind of mm-hmm. went away. So, yes, 
you know, I don't really think a lot of people took it that seriously, even though they maybe should have, you know, because it could have continued. It could have been much worse. Um, you know, heaven forbid something really bad happens. Some guy flying a quad or something actually does hit an airplane and makes it on the news and makes headlines all over. That's that's going to be really bad for our hobby. So right. I'm glad there was at least a push for people to become educated about it, at least yes. try and learn how to operate it, at least safely, safely, you know, not flying over New York City, not flying in the approach path of O'Hare or something. Um, so I think, I think that was a good kind of education for the industry a little bit. Um, I hope it kind of continues at least educating people on the right things to do, you know, through stuff like the AMA and just, you know, following simple common sense safety guidelines when you're operating something like this. Um, but I didn't really, we didn't see a, a big, you know, jump in ultra micros and a drop of park flyers, uh, like the second the registration went into effect or anything like that. It's good to know. Thank you for those comments, though. Those are exact, those are stuff we we echo those sentiments exactly. Yeah. Um, real quick, I was wanting to get your thoughts, Matt. This was your first year at Flight Fest, even though there was a lot of mud, and a lot of straw, <laughs> and everything. But I just wanted to get your take on it since that was your first uh, uh, being there at the uh, event. What your you know what you thought? Um. Well, the the first thing that comes to mind is holy moly, that is a big. <laughs> big event um <laughs> you, know, you know we go to like for example ceph is 400 mm-hmm. pilots and you, you get a few spectators that's not really a spectator event at, right. at you know ceph and some of those other events even joe Nall, there's not a lot of spectators they're usually pilots and friends that, you know it's that kind of thing yeah i couldn't believe how many young people how many new pilots how many people just out there flying mm-hmm. passionate about it doing stuff i mean that that was probably the coolest thing I've seen in a long time, seeing that many young people that interested in, to, in it doing stuff. That yeah. blew my mind and really gave me a sense of, hey, there's a lot of people still getting into this hobby, still enjoying it. These are our future modelers who are going to be doing what we, we do in 10 or 15 years. So uh, it was it was super exciting to see that part of it. Yeah. And where have you ever seen that many people in two giant tents building 24-7? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. No, I know. And and the the greatest thing is I think it allows people to experiment. You know, you buy yeah. a sheet of foam and yeah. you get an exacto knife and you just start slicing something and see what you can make. And either mm-hmm. it works, like I said, or it doesn't. And okay, maybe the next one I need to make the fin bigger. I need mm-hmm. to make it a little longer. It was a little short yeah. couple there. Maybe I need to make my elevator smaller. That was a little excessive. There, you know, whatever you need to do. Yeah, it's it's a learning process. It's it it doesn't break the bank if you beat up an airframe. Well, you rip your equipment out of it and build a new airframe. You know, that's kind of how I started. Is I, I got some hand launch glider wings back when it was still javelin style hand launch glider, not even discus stuff. And every couple of months, I'd go to the the hobby store, buy a couple sheets of eighth inch balsa, and I would build a square fuselage, solid plank tails, and make a new fuselage. Beat it up over the summer until it was falling apart, <laughs> and then buy another one, build it over you know a month or so, cover it, make it all pretty, fly that one until it was beat up. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I was doing with wood yeah. that you can now do with like foam board and. You can really push the envelope on stuff. You can try big stuff, small stuff. I mean, it was cool seeing some of the wild things people were building. We'd we'd go into the booth and be like, "Dude, did you see this airplane over here? Come, <laughs> come see this thing. It's amazing." Yeah. We'd drag them over to the build tent, you know. So that was really cool to see, like actual modeling happening all the time. Young people involved. It was it was really neat. Yeah, right. and that's that's where I first saw the commander in person because I was hanging out in the volunteer booth. And you guys were right across from us, and I okay. kept every day looking at the commander. <laughs> <laughs> and what's he come home with? A commander. 
There you oh, go. Yes. You guys yeah. are making me jealous here yeah. about this. I can't wait for next July. <laughs> yeah, Flight uh, Fest uh, in Ohio is definitely a special, special event. Who yeah. puts yeah. that on? We have, we have a lot of time. Flight so it was, it actually, it was really exciting having you guys down. So we hope you're going to be there next year. Yeah, for oh, sure. I can, I'm pretty sure we'll be there for sure. So <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, Chloe, any other questions for Matt before we let him go? Do you have anything else? No, just make big, more big planes more with big, safe in it yeah. and keep putting that in there. <laughs> you know, all those people that are out there, when you're saying, you know, all the new people that are doing it, well, mm. I'm one of those people that's back to it. I consider myself a new. And if it hadn't been for the Champ and other planes like that from Horizon, I know of about a dozen people now that I and my dad have influenced mm-hmm. and other people would not be flying at this moment. And yeah. this is only the, be- re- the re-beginning for us. So yeah. thank you. Exactly. There's, you know, we really appreciate that. And there's truthfully never been a better time to get in this hobby. Oh, uh, I- you know, like I said, with, with the stuff available to you, you can pretty much guarantee success on your first flight, which... Man, I wish I had that when I first started yes. flying because you build yes. an airplane for four months out of a box of sticks that first flight. Oh, that gets well, your heart pumping. It's not and, only that. Uh, it's, it's the confidence level of the product because I've had – I have a dozen planes or so you know, that um, it came right out of the box that were perfect, but I had a couple that had an issue. I called up the customer service line and they – like for instance, my Cessna had an issue here recently. They took apart a plane they had on their desk. And ship me that part because it was on backward just to get me back in the oh, air. Oh, wow. And they follow up. Yeah. They call you back. They got an automated number. Yep. It calls you back so you don't have to wait online. Yep. Nobody does that. Yeah. Like, their service is amazing. Yeah. I, I agree with their customer service it's is the, really good. It's the best. Yeah. That's Yeah. Awesome. You know, we, that's one thing we uh, really pride ourselves on is our customer service. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had, uh, you know, product support. Somebody call me up and be like, hey, do you have a XYZ part, this thing? We're, we're looking for it for a customer, and we'll go digging around. Yep, I got one. We'll run it over there and make sure, you know, people get taken care of, even if it's something like that where we have to, you know, go find a busted airplane or a part that we saved from an airplane <laughs> when, we, when we were developing. You know, whatever it may be, if that if we can do that to help the customer, then then we definitely will. So we're, we're glad that shows, and we hope it shows to the customer that we're, you know, we're out there. We're trying to make them, you know, get back in the air, get their product going again if they do have an issue. And uh, like I said, we hope it shows. Awesome. Uh, One last thing before we let you go. I heard a rumor, though, that you're actually working on another super slow flying project. Can you give us any details at all, something little for us, you know, to hang on? Yeah, a little teaser or anything? Oh, unfortunately not. You know, I got to keep that stuff, uh, keep that stuff close to the heart here. Uh, (laughs) Dang it. But, uh, on a, on a personal project, I am working on a uh, a new new airplane that let's just say is going to be considerably large. Uh, we're looking about eleven Ooh. feet long, a nine foot wingspan. So wow, Ooh. with safe oh. mode, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's at least going to have it might have safe in it. I'm thinking of have putting in the uh, at least the the wing leveler and the pitch leveler, yep. and uh, potentially slide. toning down the reaction so it's a very very gentle kind of wing leveling and pitch leveling, so it's not aggressive uh, since it's a scale airplane, but just enough to not kind of act like a little mini autopilot, if you will, on this thing. Oh, wow. It's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty complicated. So wow, that's awesome. Well, I think that's it, Matt. We uh, 
probably kept you way longer than what, <laughs> what you thought we were going to keep you, but we love talking to you. You're more than welcome to come on the uh, RC After Hours show anytime. Uh, just hanging out and talking RC. It's a lot of fun. That's what we like to do here. So we appreciate your time. Um, and again, we're always up for products. So if you're more than willing, send us some stuff. We'd love to fly it and review it. We love Horizon products. So, and we appreciate your time coming on the show. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. You know, love talking to you guys. Love seeing you guys at shows. You know, we always have a good time at, mm-hmm. at events and things. So that's what it's all about. Yep, for sure. And again, anybody that's at a show or wherever, go look for Matt. Uh, say hi. Uh, tell him, or even tell him, you know, you heard him on RC After Hours. He's a great guy. Always friendly and very knowledgeable. So uh, we appreciate appreciate you uh, taking the time out and hanging out with us. And hopefully, Matt, uh, I know we're always back and forth on emails and talking and either you're busy or I'm busy or whatever, but hopefully uh, here in the near future, we can get you on a little sooner next time. Sounds like a plan. All right. Thanks, Matt. We'll talk to you soon, I hope, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. You bet. You guys have a great one. It was good talking to you. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Bye-bye. Bye. Matt Andron, everybody, joining us here on the show. Uh, did I lose Andre? Probably. Let me see. <laughs> cool. Did I lose you? I'd love to work. I don't know why it does that every time. Let me give Andre a call back here real quick. What would you think, Chloe? I got to go get a vapor. <laughs> you got to go get a vapor. <laughs> Vape nation. <laughs> Sorry, Andre. I don't know why it hangs up on both of you. It should just hang up on That's him, right. but whatever. Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. So there you go, Matt Andron. Uh, would uh, so he, he's very knowledgeable and really friendly. Yeah. You know, yeah. he really knows his stuff. Yeah, I was really impressed. Yeah. What was your favorite thing talking to Matt, Andre? What was your favorite part? I I like the fact that he is like he he flat out said that you know yeah I'm a balsa builder yeah I mm-hmm. work in foam but mm-hmm. my passion is still doing stuff I did as a kid that's cool and actually it's funny because a few people have asked me if I'm interested in trying some balsa projects I haven't done balsa in like 15 years you know that was my first plane my Sig LT40 oh, you know wow. with with the uh, with the Tiger OS motor that kept leaning out in flight, you know, so it's like, ugh. But I mean, that hob, even that end of the hobby has changed because now everything's laser cut, so mm-hmm. everything's much more refined. So mm-hmm. I'm like, you can get it. Like, if I hadn't bought the uh, PT17, I was looking at a Hangar 9 Valiant, mm-hmm. but you know, and but I ran the numbers on you know just what it required to to you know to kit that plane out and it turns into a five six hundred dollar airplane once you wow. factor in your your motor and your power pack and it's a six x plane you know da 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 right. i'm like i could get this thing going in the air right away for a lot less so yeah so i went with the pt17 now the value in a and a and a and a project plane probably will happen over the winter just to do something different mm-hmm. that, that or i've got a bunch of foam uh, you know flight test kits or i gotta find a, a home for that uh, 70 mil edf and stuff like that so who knows yeah. yeah um now chloe back in the day obviously you flew it was all balsa back then yeah. but now you're you know you see the foam and the technology and everything but would you go back to flying balsa i have a couple balsas yeah. i just bought a uh, 300 extra uh-huh. at a swap meet so i'll probably put that together and i also have a, a stinson mm-hmm. that's the balsa wood version kit oh okay I got it on ebay it's like from the 1960s it's really older kit yeah. oh my gosh my dad has a, a room probably as big as this room full of just balsa kits that he bought online mm-hmm. and he also builds 
his own gas engines. He buys a bulk um, lawn or weed eater engines that like garbage men collect, <laughs> and then they sell them in the bulk. Well, he takes them apart, remachines Re- them, and he creates yeah. his own motor mounts, has them anodized, and they look like under the glass, brand new Holy gas cow. engines that you can buy. So that's one of his passions is to make those. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, with my dad, you know, we have tons of balsa kits still. Wow. We've got a mulligan that needs put together. He's got a GB that's in progress right now. Huge. Um, and I've bought some uh, balsa kits here. I just bought um, one from Aerotech. It was the uh, Seagull brand. It's the Lancer Legacy. Mm-hmm. Now that one's balsa and it's going to take you know a motor radio servos it takes 11 servos good lord 11 servos 11 servos i haven't even put a smoker in there yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's that'll be fun and i've got a cessna 182 um, by top flight it's a balsa kit i'm going to probably make that one a gasser so i gotta get back uh i gotta get back to the roots here a little bit i've been using the foam to get my courage back up and get my yeah Flight legs, but through. obviously, gas or you, you, you know, you'll have to head on over to a to a full field, right? A full oh, AMA yeah. sanctioned field for that kind of fun. Yeah, I just got my AMA uh, renewed, um, so I'm waiting on my card to come in, and I got to find a, a flight field. There's what the RC Hawks or something nearby that has a field, mm-hmm. so I'll probably go mm-hmm. down there and take off from there. I, I wouldn't do that in a short field for sure. No. No, yeah. no, and that's it. We, where we fly, it's all electric. Um, but even then, I had a really fascinating chat while I was at my nationals, and the one guy I was talking to, he flies like a hundred and five inch iMac competition airplane. He's like, "You should try that one day," and I'm like, <laughs> "No, I don't think I could fit that in my car." Yeah, so. and th- and really, that's the only problem I have with balsas. I, you know, I I like you know that it's the way they're built and constructed and everything, all everything about them, the current, but. The crashing, you know, to repair them stinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they've, they've had foam somewhat foam planes before uh-huh. that were a mix of balsa. Yeah. Like in the 80s, I got a couple different planes that had a balsa framework, mm-hmm. but they were covered in a foam all oh. around. Mm-hmm. So they were the same problems if you, you know, you get hanger rash and you had to make, fl- yeah. you know, covers and everything for them. But they were, they've, they've been there, and de- but now the foam is just so much better. You know, you can be off and you know really quickly. But if you have a passion for the modeling, which like my dad does, right? He loves to sit down and put the kits together, make them scale looking. Mm-hmm. He's got a Ryan SDA that he built, and he actually painted it with automotive paint. It's like a lead sled, but it's a gorgeous no plane. Yeah, gorgeous. It's been hanging in our family room for about twenty years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, th- I think. See, I'd never get away with a plane hanging in the family room. I've tried. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to. I'm running out of places. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh. Sorry, honey. That's wow. Especially with the big scale planes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Hey, I like to get his mulligan out and fly that. That thing is huge. Really? Yeah. It's really big. It's got, uh, he made custom exhaust. He brazed all the metal together, polished it. It's. Jeez. It's, gorgeous plane and we've got we've got another one in the box we can put together i I wouldn't even when somebody puts that kind of work into a plane like that i wouldn't even want to be there on on the i mean oh one of the wings is almost the size of this table oh my gosh giant i can see why you want to build a trailer (laughs) wow (laughs) yes 
Um, Andre, I can't flash that picture up on the screen because it's on my phone. Okay. All right. Uh, oh well, we'll figure that out. We'll uh, we'll we'll tweet that one out afterwards then. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my and, uh, Andre, I'm sorry. You said you were going to do some modifications to your your uh, PT17. You were going to put like a camera or something on it. I would love to fly that thing FPV one day. Um, first thing I do is I'm going to sort out all the CG, obviously, because I'm just, I'm just like, and I knew that when I, when I flew it, I'm like, it's just there. And you, you kind of, yeah. And then when I took off, it was definitely on a 2200. It was definitely tail heavy. Um, so again, the safe, the safe stuff helped me out there. Um, I've redialed, I've down, dialed in more down elevator because I want to try that before and I'm flying it on the 3S4000. Now, FPV, that canopy is really, you know, like I'll pull out the, the dude in the back and I'll put a pan and tilt because it's a six channel. Now, I don't fly on a Spectrum radio. And, and if anybody's listened before, they know I've had a couple uh, interesting issues with flying the Orange RX module uh, and my uh, and doing FPV. There's just a range limit and the, I think the transmitter just overpowers the, the FPV to overtrip. FPV transmitter, I'll speak English today, overpowers the receiver and eventually the plane just drops out of the sky. So oh, no. uh, I'm in the middle of trying to get a um, – that's why I didn't ask Matt, hey, Chris? You need a BBC yeah. to power it. I will no. It's uh, it's I, I'm actually working with a couple friends down in the U.S. and hopefully I pick this up in Florida. Um, there's a modification where they actually take apart in a, a, a proper spectrum radio and put the module together, so I would have a pure DSMX DMS2 Spectrum module, module. for my transmitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other option is I'm finally just going to break down because I've got enough. Air, I've got enough Spectrum airplanes with buying to fly that I almost should have yeah. a Spectrum radio. But the Canadian dollar value on one of those things is it's just crazy. And then of course that means I have to haul two radios with me, and then mm-hmm. I'm setting up and. For me, the consistency of being able to set up my radio and everything has the same flicks, the set switchings are all the same and everything really work out well. So uh, I think if I can get a module and I'm firing off on full DSMX and everything, I'm going to put a pan and tilt in there. I'll buy a second canopy, which is like $40, and put a little pan and tilt module and go flying up there because that would be awesome. I'm thinking something like the uh, run cam split would be beautiful in there. And then you'd have like the view of the canopy mm-hmm. and uh, – I don't know if how how the, the <laughs> landing would be gnarly, right? Because you're going to be landing yes. your nose up. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I guess you come. No, you be you be coming in it. straight. The the and, and and then you know when you're coming in on for your approaches, you, you flick over to safe select, you know, oh, and it's just lands. So, you know, everything yeah. is a little bit more smooth. So who knows? Um, that's my long term goal. But like you said, Chris, your counterpoint to that was why would I FPV such a gorgeous looking airplane? Yeah. Yeah, that's and I had my the same, thing. And I had the same. Someone asked me about that with the, with the commander. That was my response immediately. It's like, oh no, you fly something like this because visually it's yes. just really nice to look at. So right. Ah, oh, there yeah, are that's, options, but that's you know. my thing. I you know even with the bush mule, I love to see that thing in the air and, and fly it myself. I like. I, obviously, it comes with an FPV canopy and it's all set up to put your trans everything in it to fly. Mm-hmm. F- I have no desire to fly that. FPV. I'm like, if I'm going to go fly FPV, I'm just going to grab a wing. I mean, because you're... That plane's in a class of its own. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. The fun value, mm-hmm. dropping the little men and mm-hmm. the parachutes out. Yeah. That's what they need more of. That yeah. kind of stuff. Like yeah. candy stuff. Like yeah. you pull, 
the cameras, the trap doors, <laughs> the bombs that drop. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely fun. But yeah, anything really visually stunning type airplane, I don't have any desire to fly FPV. Because, I mean, less like Andre said, you, you kind of put it in the cockpit and, you know, you got pan and tilt and you can look around. But even then, I'd just, I'd just rather look at it and fly it, you know. I can put a camera on any wing or whatever and go fly FPV or grab one of these quads and go, you know, that's, that's me personally. Maybe Andre's, you know, moseyed into an, a realm that we just have not yet explored. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. Uh, I did. Well, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I never, the other uh, area of FPV, I, I have not tried it on my Tundra and I have not tried it on the, the big Bushmill because it's just, uh, it's just, there's a whole lot of mass, but mm -hmm. I like flying little small ones. Uh, Bill Decker actually wants to know, Chloe, have you built a flight test plane yet? No, I haven't. <clears throat> I'd oh, like to. That's something you mean. Yeah. A good winter project. I've seen their kits yeah. online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good winter project. Get bored, you know, yeah. throw them together, get out the hot glue gun, you know, cut them up. I just yeah. bought a new and hot glue gun yesterday. There you go. Delta. You know, yeah. Yeah, with the big stick. Yeah. Yep. I just got to get, where do you go to get the foam for that? You can just buy the kits. We, yeah. we know people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Just you don't have yeah. to cut it out yourself. They don't just sell them no, directions. They it's a whole kit. Well, they, you can get the plans online if you want to do that. But they sell the, the laser cut kits. Oh, cool! So oh, then yeah, you, and yeah, I do you that. Can get the power pods. I've right. got a Cub here. The most recent one they put out was uh, their simple um, uh, Scout, yeah. which is just this low wing thing. It's uh, you know, and they're a bunch. Um, Couple of our favorites are the ones that David designed. I like the yeah, um, the Spitfire is really good. Yeah, I love the FT Racer, mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, that one's just a fun like that thing going at like top speed or like inches off the deck is my favorite type kind of flying. And then the wings and stuff like that. If you want to get an FPV flying, some of their wings are really awesome to do. Mm -hmm. And and as far as EDF jets, that is probably the best EDF jet I've yeah. ever flown in my life right there i've never flown one so i have to yeah. try it it's it's i mean it, the reason i say that is it, it um it's very easy to fly like it's one of the easiest edf jets what are you flashing oh, on oh, the screen extra. extra 330 xl what is that that is something our friend from hobby king just sent me oh. that is a uh here, i'll hold it up a little longer I like the extra Extra yeah, that is something or... the RC group guys have, uh, they've labeled that thing up. Uh, I don't know when we're going to get our hands on it uh, huh. or if we are. Oh, the phone went there. But Jim from foam? RC group, is supposed to, it is foam. It mm. is the, it's a 1400 mil and it's from Avios. So oh, that's a big one. That might be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Avios. Uh, I need, I need details. <laughs> yes. Well, as soon as we get it, we'll talk about it and see what happens. We'll see if one lands on our doorstep. Um, so uh, there's going to be a lot of, uh, let's see, guys, do you yeah. want to do a, can you guys please do a review of a free wing EDF? I prefer the 90 millimeter Hawk. I tried to review a free wing F-16 and uh, it didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've learned color wise. I don't want another gray airplane. Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> if I do another EDF, it's gonna be like bright colors. So for sure. Yeah. Well, what do you think, guys? We've been going at this. Let's see. That's a good show, man. Over two hours and fifteen, going on two hours and twenty minutes. We've been sitting in here, my yeah. butt's starting to hurt in these hard chairs. I'm gonna have to get some nice big office comfy chairs. I you think can so. sit back. 
<laughs> Maybe we'll go yep. three hours. The big then, you know? lounge chairs, like yeah, you guys yeah. and friends had, you know, right? <laughs> Kick back. Um, um, do I do want to mention that 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 note that Mike Finley sent us, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I hate I hate to end on not even end on a, on a note, but the, earlier this morning we received word that uh, Michael Crash Hancock um, uh, from the uh, from the other podcast. Oh, shoot, I his podcast. Crashcast, thank yep. you. Um, he unfortunately uh, has been ill for a while. We met him at Flight Fest this year, and uh, unfortunately this morning we found out he did pass away. So um, I guess our regards from, from us to his family and also his podcast friends and family, because uh, that's that's rather unfortunate. Um, yeah. We knew he was ill for a while. So Super guy. Um, yes. Um, he was kind of one of the original podcast guys too out there, you know, kind of started the ball rolling on the RC podcast and super supportive. Even when we started us, uh, reached out to us and said, you know, Hey, good luck with everything. And so, yeah, our, uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family, a uh, super nice guy, um, on, on that note. Um, but yeah. other, other than that, I think that's going to be it. We're going to get out of here. Um, anything else you can think of there, Andre, that we needed to push out there? Don't forget the uh, discount code for tomorrow. Yeah. Again, and remember, uh, Patreon guys. Yeah, get in there on your, your, your numbers. And yep. same thing on our podcast, friends. Email us at uh, rcafterhourspodcast.com with uh, your comments, your number, and we'll uh, we'll do a random draw later on for our next show. Next week, I am in Florida, so um, look for some coverage there. I'll, fl- I'll pop in under my social media and the RC After Hours social media. Right, and once again, in case you missed it in the beginning, October 30th through November 3rd, 20% off everything in the RC After Hours store. All you got to do is put in 20 wishes for the discount code. That's 20WISHES. And it's 20% off everything in the store. So uh, one last thing, too. Uh, stay tuned. Andre and I have been doing a little testing and a little working. We're still hoping to do the phone call show uh, where we're going to pick a subject or a topic uh, and have you guys call in and talk to us and debate things and have some fun with that so we can talk to more of our listeners out there. and Just something different. A live show. A live call-in show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we hope to get that up and going here probably after uh, you get back from Flight Fest South, I take it. You bet. Yeah. You so, bet. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, everybody that hung out with us on Facebook Live, uh, the chat with Matt, answer your questions. And uh, we'll be back here in a couple weeks. And in the meantime, we're going to get out and do some more flying and <laughs> probably put Chloe under the goggles again let her <laughs> cruise around. So thanks, Chloe, for coming in hanging out. You're welcome. We appreciate that. Thanks Andre, for having me. thank you for uh, coming on, hanging out. See you, Andre. Hey, you know, what else was I going to do on a wet Sunday morning? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, it's Canada. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. So thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye.